All right, welcome. So Ryan Rising. I am your host, Leonard O'Neill. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good morrow, depending on where in the world you are tuning in this to this show. Welcome, people. I see Melissa there. I see Denise there, right? Cheryl, welcome, welcome, welcome. Share this out, share this out, share this out, right? I don't share it out because I always get caught and put into Facebook prison. So I leave that up to you guys to share this out. Is if I do it too many times, then they immediately put me in prison, in which case I can't post. So I can't go live. So I've stopped spamming. I do that every now and then. But for big events, I'll do that. But for the regular shows, I don't. I let you guys go ahead and, and do that and share this out. So please share this out. Uh, okay. So you see in the title, right? The choices that has come to that, right? I'm going to explain that. Some of you have an idea of what that is. Melissa said, I have. I have nothing to worry about, which I don't think you do because I think you're well on your way. And most of you who listen to me probably already know that. You already know about the choices that we make and especially the, what we're here to make, what the choice is that I'm talking about that we have to make. And that's what, you know, literally the planet is going through the dark night of the soul collectively uh, for the first time. It doesn't mean that everybody's going to make decisions right away or choose what their path is going to be, but it is what the main theme of this place, the reality of this place is, right? So that how it works in the universe, and it's not just you know, from what I have gathered from reading, you know, uh, different texts, but it's also what I have gotten from off-world sources, right? Throughout my lifetime of research, chasing UFOs, you hear the whispers of uh, conversations that uh, that took place with the CIA and the Secret Service with aliens, going back as long as they they've been whispered about, and the you know you hear them talking about the one and the way and people you know at the time they were interested in technology and weapons and uh, gaining all that so they didn't care about and didn't want to talk spirituality and there was different aliens aliens are different just like we are so some are in service to others and some are in service to self. What does that mean? That means somebody, you know, a person who uh, is in service to others is a person who likes to help people. They're concerned with the, their neighbors, the race of people, the country or whatever. Uh, and you help people and your instinct is to try to make it, you know, a better society for all of us. And you cooperate with other people and people who are in service to self. Welcome, Peter. Welcome. People who are in service of self, those people are all self-serving. Literally, that's what it means. They don't want to help. They don't want to get involved with other. It's all about me, what I can get from you, what power I can gain over you or whatever to manipulate you, to position myself in a place of power. Those are people who are in service of self, self-rewarding. So there's a choice when you're born. Wayne, welcome. When you're born, welcome from England. I'm in California, the state capital of uh, Sacramento, of, of, of the state capital of California, over here on the west coast of the United States. So welcome. And I like when you guys tell me where you're from because I like to know where I'm reaching. You know, this is my podcast, my MP3 file podcast, reaches 60 countries. And my MP4, which you guys are watching right now, listening to or watching, uh, reaches almost as many people. But unless you say something, the analytics for, uh, you know, for YouTube and Facebook don't really give me the demographic. I can kind of get an idea of what you guys are listening on, how you found me, that kind of stuff. But it doesn't really break down country by country, whereas my MP3 broadcasts do. So I can see country by country how many people listen to me in that country around the world, right? So, right, New York, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Maine, Cheryl, welcome, right, Maine. So most of you are in the United States, but, uh, and then, oh, and Marcus, some greetings. I, I didn't see you there. I just looked up on the chat and saw you there, New York, greetings. So 
when you know you've heard me if you've listened to my shows before then you've heard me talking about the spirituality and um like your market said hello star seeds right and uh because most of you out there are either that or you're you know you're one of those star people uh one you know indigo one of those uh is what you guys all are wanderers so you wouldn't be here if you weren't so when we come here most of you know this for those of you who don't when you're when you first become aware, this is the way the, the laws of the universe works. When you, you are something, you always are something, and you are alive. But when you become sentient, you actually think, and you realize I am something. That's when whatever you are in that life, when that life ends, you're born on this planet at least as a human being, because the 3D reality here on this planet is chosen. The, this human corporal form that we have to occupy this space for us to learn. And, and what it means, we're learning what it means to be a soul because we're baby souls. We're just brand new souls. We don't know anything about it. We don't know what that entails. We don't know what that means. We don't know if we have a job. We don't know anything. And it's done that way on purpose. The, the veiling, the mind wiping is done on purpose so that we don't know and have any preconceived notions as to what it is that we're expected to do here. And through that, though, and preface that with the idea that instinctively we have some sort of idea that we think, you know, is going on, and that comes into play the more and more sentient we become or the more and more aware we become and the older we become and the more wise we become, that unlocks different parts of our being and un as we're uh, ascending in the knowledge and learning, if we're looking within and learning on a spiritual level or just looking or, or learning on a spiritual level and even not looking in within yet. However, once we are here, our job is to learn those things and then choose how we're going to proceed, whether we're going to be a good soul or a bad soul. So whether we're going to be in service to others or in service to self, that's the choice in and of itself, the underlining choice that we're supposed to make prior to, or while we're here, but prior to adulthood, we are supposed to choose what one of those two sides. You can try and stave it off as long as you can and say, I just want to be neutral, but ultimately you have to choose one of those sides to move to graduate in any way, right? So uh, even if you don't do it consciously, like you don't have any part of religion or spirituality, but you're going to choose whether you're a good person or a bad person, whether you're a good person or an evil person, you're going to choose that no matter what. Even if you don't believe in a God or a deity figure or any of that, in and above that or without that separate from that, you're still going to choose what type of basic person you are, mean or nice, good or evil. You're going to choose that, and that's what you have to choose. And if you go try to go through life with no choice, that only works for a certain period of time, and then nothing happens, and you will be forced to make a choice anyways. Time goes on, and eventually the universe says, shit or get off the pot, because you haven't made the choice, and it's going to keep putting that, forcing that choice in front of you until you make it. Okay. And that's what that's what happens to a lot of people. They don't want to make the choice. They're not ready to make the choice. They're afraid to make the choice. And that could be on a subconscious or a super conscious level that they're completely unaware of. Right. And some people come into this life already knowing I've already made this choice and dedicated myself to one or the other. And then it's a matter of looking around and going, OK, what didn't I learn the last time I was here? Is this the first time? Have I been here many times? You don't know the answer to those questions because of the veiling, but 
as you start to mature, you kind of get an idea. Man, I've been here a really long time, right? I can feel that. I just know I've been here a long time. It's not just this lifetime. Uh, and some people don't because they they haven't been. And this is all brand new and they're having a great time experiencing. And some have already done this and they've come back to experience this again because it's, this process is a, a beautiful process. It's literally the cocoon where you're going to become a moth or a butterfly. And you're in that cocoon and transformation. And that's what you're doing here is you've taken you were the worm when you got here and you've cocooned yourself into this avatar to become. Do you understand? So while you're in this avatar, you're the you're you know, you're the 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 worm that has now spun the web around itself and you're sitting there and you're transforming and you're becoming. And you're either going to become one or the other. There's no difference between the moth and the butterfly and their appearance. They, one looks pretty and one doesn't. And it, it depends on your uh, perspective. If you're in service to others, then the, then the monarch or the colorings of that type of butterfly would, would pe appeal to you. And if you're not and you're in service to self, you would probably be more inclined to think that the moth was beautiful and the other one's hideous to you because all of that bright, color-loving uh, Care Bear stuff that those butterflies turn into or when they turn into a butterfly isn't for you. So that in and of itself is a metaphor for the human existence and the human choice. Do you see? So welcome. Is that is that Kizen? Is it Q I Zen or is it Kizen? That would, that's a good question there. I think anyway. So so either Qui Ki or Kizen. Welcome. <laughs> right, right. And then your your clock is one eleven, right? One zero one one one, right? Three ones, right? I'm four eleven because I'm in California, right? So you're behind me, right? But that's still cool. I've, I've seen many of them recently. Most is talking about the butterflies, right? Uh, and the ladybugs, too. That's another one that transforms, right? So anything that does that, that has that transformative uh, effect is is the kind of the transformation that we're going through as a human being when we, um, when we you know, when we make that choice. And th those are the choices that we have to make in everything. There's always a choice between right and wrong, good or bad. Don't do that because it's whatever, morally uh, not right. And we instinctively know the answers. We don't have to be taught that. We don't, we don't confuse that stuff. We don't come into life not knowing that, you know, hitting somebody is bad. You just don't know that. You hit them, you know that it's not right to do it. You made a choice, right? There, so so you're not, you're not, you don't come in with a zero moral compass that you really have to be taught that. There's an instinct within us that says do this or don't do this, and that is the motivation. Now, I've heard from reading different um different texts, like in the Hermetic text, it, it, it almost acts like you don't really have a choice. And whatever zodiac you're born in is going to rule over you. And they call it the gods at one point, but it's still a metaphor for the same, for the zodiacal power. And that was put into place according to Hermes uh, that uh, and Thoth, that it was because the humans were invented with incorruptible powers and some of the powers that should not be or, or some of the other powers in the universe uh, were afraid that the humans would get too out of control. So then uh, God decided to implement the Zodiac to kind of curtail uh, differences within each individual person so that we weren't all 100% alike even further than we already are separate. Now, welcome, Kevin. And that's a good question. Kevin Cummings says, and I'll put it up on the screen. And I'll read it for those of you who are on the MP3 broadcast. You can't see it. 
He said, hello, Leo. Hi, guys. Do you think demons are trying to stop us from having a life? You mean stop us from actually living like we're doing? Um, I don't know if they're, I don't think they're capable of that, but are they disruptive and distractive? Absolutely, bro. Uh, are they trying to keep us from, uh, if you're referring to actually from um, being spiritual or learning about spirituality? Yeah, they want us to not do that. Um, are they trying to keep us dead? No, because they need us to be alive. Do you see? We have the power because we're life. They don't. We have the power of creation. They don't. So, so the only way they can exist is to subsist off of our fear. So they have to have us being alive so they can try and make us afraid of them so they can gain that power. Do you understand? So, so they wouldn't mind if they were torturing us or got us to the point where we believe they could uh, um, possess us and then try to possess us. All of that is victimization. They want you to be the the scared victim because that gives them power and strength. Do you see? So like an energy vampire, a demon is the same. They have to work you over, right? That's a good question too, Wayne says. Let's put this up on the screen for people to see. Could demons make us believe their, their loved ones who have passed? Um, yeah, that's possible. Anything like that when you're dealing with the other side is possible. But if a person is truly a medium, they're going to notice the difference in the energy. People always say to mediums, be careful. If you're using a Ouija board, you don't know if that's evil. Trust me, if they know what they're doing, they know the difference. If you're a novice and you don't, you haven't learned the difference um, but between good and evil and how the energy feels, even when evil is trying to pretend that they're not good, they're just rot with it, right? They have what I call the rotting. And um, I don't talk about that very much, but I, I've talked about that a lot more about 30 years ago than I have today, um, which I didn't think about until just now I said that. They have what I called back then the rotting. And, and if you can sense energy, you'll be able to smell them, taste them uh, on the air. And no matter how much you try to put lipstick on a pig, it's still a pig. So no matter how much perfume you want to put on a pile of dog shit, it's still a pile of dog shit. So a demon is still a demon and they can't hide the fact that they are. It's not Hollywood where, where uh, people will be completely unaware that somebody's a demon and he's laughing and tricking them. That just doesn't happen in the real world. Oh, the only way it does happen is in the physical world with people incarnate that are evil. But even then, people have the instinct to know something's not right with that guy or that woman, and they pass it off themselves. They choose not to listen to that to that in them. And that's something that has been toned down uh, in our society to keep you away from your own intuition. So is it possible that they could make us believe that? Yes, if you don't know what you're doing and you're dabbling in something that you have no business in, um, in which case you don't know what you're looking for. So yes, then it could happen. So if you're a novice and you're starting with a Ouija board, yeah, you can be screwed with by evil forces and not know it uh, because you don't know the taste uh, or the smell or the touch or the scent or whatever of evil, the, the pattern of evil, the vibration of evil. And once you learn that on any level, especially the etheric plane, you will never forget it. So you can't be duped a second time unless you choose not to. <clears throat> so, right. So they used my husband, 
right? They, they used my husband's disability to attack me. Uh, yeah. And see, they can exploit different things like that. We've talked about that, um, Cheryl, before, right? They can exploit things about you, something that you have wrong with you, uh, something that a relative has wrong with them. They can make it worse. They can exacerbate whatever it is, right? To make things worse. So, that, that's the stuff we have to look out for. It's funny because uh, you guys are theming this in like the dark art portion. And I was actually thinking about calling this defense against the dark arts part three. And I said, no, let's go with choices. And you guys are actually uh, focusing me and pushing me, which is okay. I'm all right with it into sort of the defense against the dark arts. And I would have to call it the third one because I've done two prior to this. Uh, so I think it's kind of cool that, that you guys can do that. But yes, Melissa said they smell like they smell of rot. Uh, and, and, um, they, and they can push things. She said, my mother's anger. Yes. That, that's like, if you look at the Amityville house, that was a true story that even though they Hollywoodized it for the movie, if you read the book, it was, uh, it was uh, a, a lot more, uh, not like the movie, but they did a really good job with the movie, uh, keeping it to the book. But if you research that, what they, what happened there was basically the same thing where the, the demons, uh, were, uh, getting into people's heads and, uh, and, and screwing with their lives, uh, and, and taking like the one guy who was an alcoholic and making him an angry alcoholic. Uh, they did the same thing with that Jack Nicholson movie, right? Where, um, they started to, uh, you know, get into the ear of the person, not really possess them, but kind of in a way, uh, and, and make them do things that they wouldn't ordinarily do or see things and try to drive them more and more crazy, uh, and, and make your life shitty. So they do that all the time and they do that to, and, you know, just even minor demons and, and just bad people that get attached to us who are disembodied do the same thing. They'll follow you home. They're in your house. You don't know about it. You're not cleaning out your house. Your life is disruptive. You don't know why everything's going so screwy uh, in your family. Right. Alec Baldwin comes from Amityville, New York. Right? <laughs> he does, doesn't he? Uh, and, um, you know, his that poor guy with that whole thing going on with the movies, I feel bad for him. Uh, because he was trusting other people to not hand him a loaded gun and, you know, yada, yada, right? Um, so, yeah, so you have bad forces that will exploit anything they can to try and disrupt your life to keep you from actually paying attention to yourself internally or spiritually in any way to try and keep you focused on mundane things by trying to make those mundane problems seem bigger, right? So Rob, welcome brother. There's full spectrum uh, universe. Rob from full, full spectrum universe came in and said, hi, right. The shining Kevin, that was, I couldn't think of the name of it. Thank you. The shining. Uh, and, uh, and then the movie they did after that, which was really good. That, that one that they released not too long ago, that was another, uh, King uh, book. It was after that. I forgot what it was called now. Um, Dr. Sleep. Yeah, that was really good too. That was a sequel to the shining. You guys should take a look at that. That was really good. So um, and, and he was explaining that in there too, with the shining, with what that meant and in the shining. And so you see that more in detail in the second book, right? Dr. Sleep. Uh -huh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that book, right? You have that book. Great book. Um, you know, what's funny. was uh, watching Stephen King, um, movies. My son didn't know that I was a big Stephen King fan. My uncle going all the way back to when I was a, a teenager, um, you know, Stephen King's been around forever. And, uh, 
he and my uncle would read the Stephen King books, and when he was done with them, he'd give them to me because he knew I was a fan, and he always wanted to talk about the book, so he needed somebody, so I was his partner, right? He would read the book, and he would give it to me. I'd read the book, and then we'd talk about it, and he'd buy the next book, and he'd read it, and he'd give it to me, and then we would tie it. So all my life, all the way through my life, uh, my uncle and I always read the books, and then we would see the movies together and read the books and talk about it, and, and um, my son didn't know that, and he brought over Dr. Sleep and um, Dark Tower. And uh, I said, um, yeah, I heard about the Dark Tower. Who'd they get to play the Dark Man? He was like, what do you know about the Dark Tower? And I'm like, and then he said, Matthew McConaughey. I said he was perfect to play the Dark Man. Uh, and he says, you know about this? I said, yeah, I've read the books, bro. And he says, what? He says, you're a Stephen King fan? I said, I have read every Stephen King book that he's ever written. And when he comes out with a new one, I go buy it and I read it. <laughs> right? Right. So, yeah. So I, so I love all of that. So we watched it and he was like, wow, you actually know more about this than I do. And I was like, this because I've read the books, dude, you need to read the dark tower series, not just watch this movie. You need to read it. It's different. It's better. So, yeah. So he kind of got started getting into the Stephen King books. I'm like, I know you don't want to, everything's fast for you because you're a millennial. So you just want to watch the movie. Movies don't do the justice from a book. They never have. They're great and they're good. Like what they're doing with the new Dune uh, movie that's coming out for the for Frank Herbert's Dune. It looks totally badass and way better than the one that they made back in the 80s. They said they would never be able to film those books ever because of the technology that was described in there. Well, we've gotten, you know, to a point where, you know, that was 30 years ago, 40 years ago when those were written. I think even young. I was I, it was I was in my teens when I read that. I was like 16 when I read Frank Herbert's books and I don't think that I think they were already around because the whole trilogy was out. So they're even older than that. They probably go back like Tolkien to the seventies or even before Tolkien started his in the forties actually. Um, but I, he's also an English writer uh, uh, who wrote that. So, you know, those were great and they turned them into really good stuff. Um, you know, one of the, one of my favorites was the stand. I don't know about you guys it was the stand because that was the dichotomy between good and evil. And I always pictured Matthew McConaughey as, as that guy as well. Right. Playing that part. He would have been perfect as the, what did they call him? I think they called him the cowboy or something. The guy with the, the walking man with the cowboy boots, who was the evil guy. He, they, that was a great movie because of what, and that was like zombie apocalypse, you know, uh, uh, you know, great stuff. And I, and I remember they did make it. Did they have Whoopi Goldberg played, the mama character in the movie. So they did a really good job with that too. I always liked that one. I don't know why it was just long and it was the battle between good and evil. The dichotomy uh, it was well thought out, well written. And that you really thought that the evil was going to like normal. You just like the last, uh, um, last uh, Jedi or no, the rise of Skywalker. I just watched that for the very first time this week. And um, you know, the, the format, they stuck to the same format that uh, uh, Lucas um, uh, did in his trilogy movies and books that he wrote. So it worked. JJ Abrams did a really good job with the directing and the writing of the, the screenplay to, to with all of those, you know, the last three that they made because those weren't written by uh, Lucas. In fact, some of the ones before that weren't either, but most of them were. Yeah, right. And, then, and if you're talking about Kevin says you can see them in people if you if you look closely, if you're talking about like, you know, demons or uh, or, uh, you know, stuff like that, you can you can see people who have actually um, succumbed to that and either they're evil and they're and they've lost their their mind or, uh, you know, I'm not talking about just somebody who's who has a mental disorder, but most of the time a mental disorder is more than what you think it is. Right. People think just, oh, yeah, he's just, you know, he's just crazy or he's just hearing voices. Well, some of the time the voices that they're hearing are, are actual 
a split. It's not, it's, you know, the reality for him is different and um, for him or her. And some of these people actually are remembering different lives and they're stuck with different, um, you know, personalities in them. And that's not, that's not something that is a, that's, that's something that is more intense if you think about, right. Um, if you, if you look at, uh, uh, if you look at some of the, the, the personalities they have, you know, there's a very good possibility. Those are actual personalities that a person had in a lifetime and they're, and for some reason they've split in this lifetime and they have those personalities. Those were real to them in another time, in another place. Right. And that, that is something that needs to be looked at that I think they're overlooking. Right. So that's something that we need to look into with that with schizophrenia as well. Right. Is that, is that a brain disorder or is that something that's bleeding over from a past life that the reality is, uh, of that person's spirit and psyche got torn somehow. Uh, and they're, and you know, it's not just a, a brain thing, but it could be, we don't know the answer to that. Right. But yeah, you can tell by the eyes, right? When you look at people's eyes, I mean, the truth is the eyes are the window to the soul. So when you look at their eyes, if you're paying attention, period, and you know what you're looking for, you can look at people's eyes and you can see if they're evil or if they're not just by looking in their eyes. They they can't hide. They they try, but they can't hide. I do that. And sometimes I search in there in people's eyes to see if there's someone else in there besides them, right? I've actually had my wife once look at me and go, don't look at me like that. Because she was like, you're looking at me like as if you're trying to see if there's someone else in here. I'm like, I am. She's like, don't do that. There's no one else in here but me. And I'm like, did that scare you? And she's like, well, no, but I, I started going, what? Maybe there is something I don't know about. I'm like, no, it's just me probing just to make sure. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> just probing to make sure. So, yeah, I've, I've had that happen to where people, you know, I look at them. I can do that. That's why I do that on the psychic page. They send me a picture. I look at the picture and I can see, even though it's just a picture of the person, I can still see your eyes. I can still see what's in there. That's why the natives were always worried that you were capturing their soul. Some of them were like, don't do that. You're capturing my soul. Right. And and so they, they but the, in a sense, you kind of are, but it's not you're not actually taking a piece of you, but it's still a capture of a window. Right. So Una says, hey, Leo, do you think let's put this up on the board here. Hey, Leo, do you think that we're um, that we're replaying the 1930s and 40s again right now? And if so, why including some of those personalities back again? Um, yes, actually, we are. Um, and uh, it's actually pretty astute of you to notice that this literally is like Nazi Germany in 1938, where, where everything has regressed um, back to that. So the mentality of the uh, of the governments. Uh, and and uh, some of the some of the mentality of the world itself is in is playing that mode over. But we do that anyways. Uh, everything we do is cyclical. We we uh, roll back everything all the time. But we don't normally go as an entire society to that place. Uh, but but we kind of have right. And the, and for some people would say that we're actually pre-Renaissance right now in the in the dark ages as well and i and i believe there's a parallel between those because if you look at the roaring 20s and then you look at the 30s and the 40s and it was kind of a dark age uh after the roaring 20s uh and then the 40s was a, a time of war and a time of change and then you went into the 60s and people thought that was the age of aquarius and i think in some ways it was because it was the beginning so but it wasn't the end of Bakhtun 12 yet so Bakhtun 12 didn't end until 2012. And then Bakhtun 13 starts, and that's the beginning of Aquarius. So we were playing that out, rolling towards it, running up to, but then having to back up and running up to it. And the reason I say that is because if you look at 
Uh, say now you have everybody in the United States, I don't know about around the world, but they're wearing these big, huge mirrored cop glasses that they wore in the 70s. We started wearing those in the 70s because the aviators wore them in the 40s and into the 50s, right? So the 60s were the hippie era, and they were wearing the leather and slicking their hairs back. And then in the 80s, we were wearing the leather, slicking our hair back and wearing the cop shades from the 70s. And then you come forward to the to you know to the 90s and you had the goth look from the from the you know even older back in the in the 1600s 1700s that came back again where people were painting their faces white with the dark makeup and there's still a version of that now which is integrated with the leather right so you do you see how we're mirroring different and now it's come back around with the same outfits right from from back then as well so we know and now we're starting to have more people trying to wear suits again and the fedoras and that came right out of the 40s you know 30s 40s and 50s right my grandfather had a fedora when he met my grandmother and that was in the, in the 30s and he gave birth to his kids in the 40s right so we're now starting to dress like that and, and wear those same clothes i have a fedora here somewhere in my closet, right? So, you know what I mean? So yeah, we're, we, we do that and we roll back. Uh, and right now we are in that 30s, 40s um, uh, era, but we're not strict with the women have to wear dresses and men have to wear pants and women can't wear pants and that part of it. But the other parts of, of the people's um, energy is kind of the same. And then also the pre-Renaissance because the Renaissance would be the age of Aquarius. So where once we get to this point where the split happens and those people choose the Renaissance and those people choose the AI, we're going to, those people who choose the Renaissance are going to move into the age of Aquarius and it's going to be a new Renaissance, just like the old one was uh, back in, you know, in the 12, 1300s. So yes, to answer that question, in some respects, we are in the 30s and 40s. And uh, if you look at the economy of the world, it's almost in the political uh, 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 realm of the world. It's almost identical to that. Right. Uh, so Peter says uh, uh, a fancy pre president Biden. Um, what is that best stage two of dementia? Yeah. Right. Seriously. Ignoring it because, uh, you know, the port agenda. Yeah. I was watching him today talking about the port agenda and I'm like, well, you guys created the port agenda and now you're saying that it was because of COVID. It was, well, the only way it was because of COVID was that you mandated that everybody needs to have a shot or they get fired. And so the one third of the workforce and one third of the truck drivers is no longer capable of going to work. And that's why we have this dilemma. And during that time period, when you were firing half the staff, you had, uh, Pete Buttigieg, who was the transportation secretary, who was on vacation for uh, because I guess they adopted a, a, a he and his wife, husband adopted a child. So he was on maternity leave. Right. And, and he didn't appoint anybody to, to uh, run the ship. So you had that ship just sitting there piling up. And now they're coming in and acting like it wasn't because of any of this, but it was because of COVID backing them up because they had to sit there in quarantine. They only had a 14 day quarantine. These ships have been sitting out there for 150 days, not 14 days. Well, it's because we don't have the people to unload it, right? Because you fired them all. Yeah. You fired them all when the when the uptake picked up because people were buying more stuff because they were all staying home. And then you, and so it was, it was caused by your mandates that slowed everything down and put us back on all of that, buying from overseas because you shut down all the factories here making the stuff that was here, right? So we know that. <laughs> if you're an adult, you've been paying attention, you understand that. So he's trying to say that it would have happened no matter what they did. That's a lie. Right. Complete lie. Not true. Right. Not at all. So uh, 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 Zen said, thank you. I resonate with that. I feel I've had some. Let me put it up on the screen. 
Uh, I feel like that I've had some uh, uh, disorders myself. We all do, right? I just went, ended up in the hospital uh, two and a half weeks ago, right? Coming more and more like someone inside acting out on me. And yes, and, and you know, and or that somebody's mad at you. It, that, that happens. So you have to be careful. And that's why I said I should have named this Defense Against the Dark Arts Part 3. Because we need to realize at all times, we need to be aware that everywhere we go in public, we're running into ickiness too. And that ickiness sometimes will follow you home. Sometimes you'll get people following you home that aren't bad, but you get bad stuff too. The more you do light work, the more you become a target because your light becomes more blue. They see it as an indigo light. So they follow that light because it's very similar to the light. We think the light is just a white light. It's not. There's a difference. A white light could just be a sun shining on you. And you're like, was that supposed to do that? Is that like a light of God? And then some people will tell you that the light is the trap for your soul. Don't go into it. You know, and, and those are the choices that you have to make to decide where you are with that and how that resonates, right? So astrologically, Marcus, my, my uh, astute, uh, my astute uh, historian here, he knows a lot about this stuff. He says the 30s are a cycle we are revisiting. See? So astrologically, the 30s are a cycle that we're currently revisiting. So uh, so to answer that question even more so, backed up by astrology, Marcus says absolutely 100%. We're in the 30s going into the 40s. So, yeah, here we go. We're going into the into the to the later 1600 style. Well, exactly. Now that's the Renaissance as well. So as we're going into what we would consider the 40s, and then again the 60s, uh, is the is the 1500s is the is Renaissance. It's all the same energy in the same cycle. How do I not choose AI? You you decide that you don't want to do that. You you decide to look within yourself and realize you're your own savior, and that you're that you are a positive person, and you want to. Uh, be in service to others, and therefore you're not going to choose the AI side. The AI side is is basically the side that most of the people who are either don't want to choose and don't want to have any part of it, or they're in service to themselves, and that's they're going to choose that. Because uh, if you're choosing AI, then you're going to have plugins, you're going to have stuff implanted in you, you're going to have nanites running through you, and basically you're going to start turning into a cyborg. Uh, and uh, according to the temporal war, what we know about that um, is that on that reality only has about 580,000 humans on the planet. Everyone else is gone. Okay. And then the bigger reality is the utopian reality that the Hopis talk about in the Hopi rock legend and the Aborigines in Canada and the Aborigines in Australia talk about. So the, all the Aboriginals from the Americas and from Australia, all of their legends say that there's a choice in our society is on the path to go the way of AI but that we all have to have the dark night of the soul and choose. And that's what the Christians call the rapture where, you know, you're going to have this left behind and the left behind are going to be those who couldn't choose. Right. And then they're, but the, here's the thing. They're not going to be see here still. Okay. They're going to end up off world because the, once this generation leaves from this place right now, because we're already late, this planet is not supposed to support third dimensional life anymore. It's first, second, fourth, and eighth on this planet. So we who ascend to the to the utopian society of the human race will be still on earth and we will be here and it's called earth but we'll be in the fourth dimension, the fourth density, not the third. Uh, so that it'll be a slightly different body than we have now, but we won't notice because if we transition, it'll either just become normal to us or we'll be born in that body and it'll be normal just like when you were born a human. So you won't notice the difference between the body you occupied last time. Thank <laughs> you. 
So Kevin says, what is this, Kevin, that you're saying? Let me put this up on the screen. I'm wearing my new glasses, so I have to find the spot where I could read it because before I'm – this is bifocals. <laughs> I don't know if you saw these are my new glasses. Uh, he should have been arrested for droning a car full of kids. Yeah, we're talking about Biden. Yeah, for when he did that over there in Afghanistan, right? Yeah, that, that was bad. Um, we didn't want to get involved in that. That's politics. We don't want to talk about that right now. But I agree with you, Kevin. <laughs> that was, he, he bombed a, a whole bunch of innocent people over there. Right. Drone those suckers. It was his fault. He totally did that. Right. I mean, that's just you know, whatever. OK, so little flashes in the corner of your eyes. Yeah. A lot of times that's you know, you're seeing uh, you're starting to see things uh, out of the corner of your eyes. Sometimes you see uh, movement from the shadow people. Sometimes you see uh, uh, actual people that are on the astral plane and you catch a glimpse of them. And then when you turn to look at them, your your eye focuses on the on the now, and you don't see them. But your third eye, if your third eye is open, you could you would still be able to see them. Uh, but your but when you do it out of the corner of your eye, you actually see the motion, and that gets your attention because that's the way we're humans are built. So yeah, so you would start seeing things out of the corner of your eye a lot, right? Totally freaks me out. It's such it's such a 1930s replay. Yeah, that um, you know, in in a sense, because we know what happened in the 30s, right? Going into the 40s, and we know that that was a, a world war, a big upheaval, uh, and we're concerned that that's what's going to happen now is another global war, and we don't want that upheaval. But it's it might come to that. We'll see. I would rather think that we can get through it without. Uh, most of us are trying to push for um, nonviolence. Uh, in that respect to graduate without having to really worry about that. Right. Yeah. Very, very helpful. Thank you. Quizen uh, says, uh, um, I really needed that right now. Well, that's one of the reasons why I come on here because I know that in these trying times, I understand uh, what the, uh, what everybody's going through. So I understand the anxiety of what's happening uh, around the world. And, you know, as one of the people who actually understands it and knows what's going on, then it becomes um, um, a responsibility of mine. And I just was talking to somebody uh, yesterday about that and said, once you actually understand what's happening as the adult, it becomes a responsibility for you to then help those who, if you're in service to others, you're bound by duty, by nature, by responsibility as an adult to help the children, right? And because that's what you would do. You can't just let the kids do it on their own and go, yep, there here we go. They're going to get in trouble because it's going to get bad. But you know that. So why don't you warn them, right? Warn them that this is what's coming. Please be careful. And this is what you need to know. The, the more we do that and inform people behind us, the more we pay that forward, the less harsh it is on them. And they know that it's okay because I've already been through it. I know what's happening. And I know what you're going through. That makes things easier for people to go through knowing I'm not alone and that's going to be okay because they already went through it. Do you see? So they need to know that. And Wayne, you're more than likely right. The next war will be against China. That's a very good possibility. Actually, I, for a fact, I know that that is the case. I don't talk about it. Those of us who already know prophecy, we try to keep that out of uh, discussion uh, because uh for several reasons. One, people are skeptics and they'll say, well, that you, you don't know and you can't prove any of that. And if it just happens, you just got lucky. Right. Um, but moreover, we also know that if we tell people what prophecy is, we're going to make sure that it happens. And we know that the future is like Yoda said, it's mostly emotional. It's mostly emotions and it's not actually written. So we know that sometimes by not doing something, we can stave off a, a greater catastrophe that's not necessary and still have the same outcome, 
right? That's a druid thing. I'm a, I'm a druid and I, and I have the title of a Merlin. Uh, and I have a few friends that are also have a Merlin titles and they don't know it. But that's our ideology is the long game. So we're not trying to create a war. We're trying to prevent a war. But there's, there's a very good possibility. Um, according to the prophecy, the next world war is against the Chinese. Okay. Uh, and so far we've staved off that, but the Chinese are pushing really hard right now for that once again. So it's very possible that that will happen that way. If the outcome turns to that, it will be that it'll be the, it'll definitely be against the Chinese. And, um, and if so, I could tell you so much of what would happen. I know the battle tactics. I know how many people die. I know when, who, where, um, uh, things that you're not supposed to know. Um, I, you know, like the, I read when I was a teenager, the actual prophecies of Nostradamus that they actually translated, not that cryptic stuff that you read, right. That says, you know, Oh, behold the um, towers fall and blah, blah, blah. And it sounds all cryptic. What that actually meant was translated. And that book is banned. You cannot get that book. I cannot find it. And I read it and I gave it to a friend of mine who read it and another friend. And we've been checking the things off on the list since the 80s, since the first uh, shuttle crash. And then this the stealth fighter that blew up here in California in the desert and the whole lines, we got the space shuttle going down, the Twin Towers, all of that, right? So I know, but I, I try not to talk about that because um, because if, if, I, if I push that narrative enough and other people do as well, then we'll make sure that the amount of people die that are supposed to die in that. And we would rather have not that many people die. Because if, if that's true, then then like minimum one quarter of the world's population will be decimated 25% minimum. Right. So we're trying to avoid that. We're trying to push Vicky high. We're trying to push for, um, for a peaceful, which does happen every now and then it's very rare, but we did it in the sixties and we did it again in the two thousands where we made this leap. If you look at where we were in the thirties and forties, like we talked about just a few minutes ago and where our society leaped to leapt to, in the 60s with the whole flower power movement and the hippies and the love ends and the love fests and how much that changed society and put society on a completely different path for peace. We had the civil rights movement. We had equal rights movement. All of these things happened in a, in a 10 year, 15 year time period, right? That changed the course of the planet from 1959 to 1975 change the entire ideology of uh, people and their thought process about the planet itself. And we've become more conservative minded in f as far as the, the ecosystem and cleaning up the ecosystem and, and uh, you know, and the global warming. Think about all that all started in the late 40s to 50s and definitely the late 50s into the 60s and 70s. And all of every change that we have now came out of that little time period. It was a very big jump. So we know that it's possible and we're pushing to do that again here instead of having to have a global war and lose three quarters of the population or half the population in uh, to have the rapture we would rather that we as a society make this great leap and uh you'll see that we won't lose that many we'll just lose those who are choosing to be evil and we'll continue uh living in a far better place right no chance against China. That would be a really stupid move. China's way out in front of us militarily. Uh, yeah, but that doesn't really 
always mean much. I mean, if you look at historically, uh, the, you, you'll see that there's been people throughout history that have been uh, outnumbered, uh, outgunned, overmatched, and still won the day more often than not uh, if they all work together and stay the course. Uh, and throughout history, that's been the case. If, if we were worried about that and just put down our guns, America would never have been uh, America because we were outgunned, outnumbered, outmanned, and and they had, uh, you know, 100 times more money, troops, and everything. And we had a bunch of backwoods hillbillies running around hiding behind rocks fighting a guerrilla war against a, a standing army the size of the Roman Empire. And we beat them. So, it you know, it just takes uh, courage. And, you know, look at the what the Allies did against the Germans, who were way more advanced than uh, the Allies were. Though our tanks couldn't even penetrate their tanks, and their tanks with one shot would blow our tanks to smithereens. We would just bounce off. Our tanks would bounce off of the 88s uh, guns that the Germans had. <clears throat> we still beat them. Do you see? Even with the Battle of the Bulge, she had a, a bunch of men on foot, right? The 101st Airborne on foot held off the Battle of, Battle of the Bulge and the Battle of Bastogne until until uh, um, Patton pushed punched his way through to reinforce them. They were fighting hand-to-hand combat with stick stones, rocks, and their helmets by the time that they got reinforced. But they, they were never they never lost because they didn't give up. Do you see? So it doesn't matter if they have us outnumbered 100 to 1. It doesn't matter if they have a, a better technology than we do. It just matters on, on what the resolve. Resolve of a fighter is more important than the technology they have, but technology gives you a hand up, I agree. Right? So it's not always the course when it comes to the art of war. Look at Bruce Lee. I wouldn't want to fight him, and, I have, and I'm 200 pounds heavier than Bruce Lee. If I ever got a hold of him, I'd rip his face apart, rip his body and bones and crush him. But, but I'd have to get a hold of him without him beating my ass first. So his small little skill would it would outweigh my brute strength and, and you know that's why the vikings people would say they'd never have a chance against the samurai right but the samurais ran from the vikings because they were so much bigger and had thick armor so yeah the little guys have a better sword that can cut you into a bazillion pieces but you got to get in there and do that when you got some big dude slinging a cleaver that's five feet long <laughs> fucking street sweepers right so that never happened you never heard of those battles happening between the two. I think there was ample respect for, for one another there. Cause it's not like they couldn't have found them because they went everywhere else. So I believe they might've ran into them at some point and they didn't want to have any part of one another. I think was more important, right? Yeah. Almost all of the sixties groovy style, Marcus says, let's put this back up here too. Right. So with all, all the sixties uh, groovy style with CIA programming, the Beatles, the stones, the grateful dead, uh, yeah, right. See, see Mark Devlin and on uh, YT. No, yeah, and he's right. Uh, that was the psychedelic drugs were introduced by the CIA, uh, the whole nines, you know. And then you have the Generation X, the, those of us who were born in the '60s, where they where they were making us um, uh, completely uh, um, desensitized to violence and and turned on the television set that everybody was killing everybody on TV and you know like the guys on Miami Vice the TV show they killed more people in one season on Miami Vice than the entire Miami Vice police force in 30 years did you know uh, a team you know all of those shows were all just bloody combat and and got us all desensitized to it and then they freaked out because we were also very smart and they didn't expect that portion of things to happen. Right. So, so, uh, Mr. Zenza, I'm a Swedish Viking. I'm Southern Viking. I'm, I'm a, uh, I'm a, a Celtic Viking, but I am, uh, partly, you know, Scandinavian 
quote unquote, but the rest of my DNA comes from Scotland, Ireland, England, and uh, Denmark, or uh, I'm sorry, uh, Wells. Um, but yeah, Southern Viking, you're one of the Swedes, you're a Northern Viking. You guys are the pure bloods, right? We're the, we're the conquered masses. <laughs> this used to be red, but it was not the, was not the Swedish blood red, right? Like Odin's beard. It was the, the red, the orange, what we call ginger these days, right? So that's definitely from the South. We have a little bit more of the of the Germanic uh, uh, blood in us that not the 100% pure blood Vikings, but we're still like, it's just Southern, right? So yeah, CCP army is slaves. They're not behind the CCP, right? And that's what you also have to remember that constructs fight different than men who volunteer, right? I mean, the old saying, does making a man a knight make him a better fighter? And the answer was yes. Okay. So those people who are a standing volunteer army are fighting because they believe in their cause. Those who are constructs are forced to do that and have to be brainwashed. But inside there, they still have a personality. Do you see? And they know that they're slaves. So they're, they're fighting because they're told to, but they're not as vigorous. They'll do their job, but they're not going to do it above and beyond. A person who is a volunteering army is going to do above and beyond because they, they know what it is at stake, and that's why they joined. So there's a difference between, you know, I mean, look at the whole Star Wars thing. You had a small band of rebels that overpowered and beat an entire alliance of brainwashed, uh, uh, you know, at first clones and then constructs. constructs. Okay, so it's different when you have people you have a bunch of people in those movies that you see you know, throughout the Star Wars saga, especially the last uh, three movies, four movies, where you see that there was a bunch of people who rebelled against their training and escaped, especially in the uh, last movie, The Rise of Skywalker. You see there's hundreds, thousands of people who uh, who uh, defected. So, uh, you know, constructs are not going to go above and beyond. So there's a difference in in fighting. And it depends on the generals. It depends on the heart of the people. When during the first or the Second World War, um, the Germans had captured some of the supply trains from the Americans, and one general, uh, one colonel, brought the attention to the general, and they brought it to Hitler and showed him a cake, a cake, a birthday cake. That was baked by a woman in New Jersey, and she mailed it to her son in and was fighting over in France at the time or Germany, somewhere in, in that theater, and they intercepted it. And he brought it to them and said, these people have no concept of losing this war because they're mailing a cake from a mother and making sure that it gets to the troops while it is still moist. We cannot defeat these people. They knew that if you're wasting precious resources and you have the resources to take a cake 5,000 miles across enemy lines to drop in the lap of a person whose birthday is coming up while it's still fresh and getting it there, that's a lot of resources. If that one person's doing that, how much of this kind of thing is happening and how much resources are this is this government putting into just getting shit to the troops to make them feel comfortable and if they're spending that much resources to that that means they have plenty of resources for the war machine itself and he realized that if they're having this kind of supply chain going to the front there's no way we can defeat them they have that much supply train to where they can just say, hey, get cupcakes to the guys up front and make sure they're still moist when they get there. Okay. And they get it there. 
They spend the resources to do that. The Germans weren't doing that. You'd be lucky if you got a newspaper that was 30 days old. So when they saw that, they said, we can't, we will not, we will never beat them as long as they are doing this and we don't tax them to the point where they stop doing that because they don't want to spend the resources. If they have this much money, time and resources, we will never beat them. And they were right. And that was the turning point in the war. They realized that a war of attrition wouldn't work against the United States because the United States had no concept that they were ever going to lose the war because had they done that, they would have been rationing. The English were rationing because they weren't sure and they thought they were going to lose. The Americans were never rationaling. So because of that, the Germans knew we can't beat them. They have too many resources. They're, they're just not changing their ways. They're making sure to go out of their way to get a cake to one guy. And it worked. Here we have fresh cake. It's good. It's moist. And they were eating it. They're like, we're done. Right? Good one, Vicky. I like what you said. Remember, God could put thousands of angels uh, on our side against other forces. I'm going to put that up on the screen for those of you who can see that. Oh, I still have that stupid banner up that says share, don't I? Let's pull that down and put ask questions in the chat. <laughs> right? Okay, so you have to remember that. There's also that, right? We have, uh, you are kind of protected by, by that way. Cheryl said English, Irish, Scottish. Uh, Irish and a little Hungarian uh, to spice it up, right? I know I'm I'm uh, English, mostly uh, 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 Irish, Scottish, uh, Welsh, English, and then I have uh, Scandinavian, and then I'm five percent Native American, um, and two percent, three percent, what they call Ro Greek Roman. <laughs> so somewhere somewhere in there, the Greek Roman DNA got mixed in. Um, welcome, Divine Tiffany. Welcome, welcome. Hi, I see you there. Yeah, that, that's actually, Marcus, that's actually a true story. I, saw, I actually saw that on a documentary. He said, what a great story, the birthday cake message. Uh, and that was actually a documentary, and I saw that. That's the only reason I know that. Uh, the Germans were like, this is not, we can't win. <laughs> if, they're, if they're spending that much money to get a cake to a boy who's turning 16, 17, 18, whatever he is, 1920, whatever he is, uh, making sure that it's still fresh when it gets there, that's resources we don't have. They have no concept of losing this war ever. <laughs> so they knew they were in trouble. At that point, that was when they planned the Battle of the Bulge to shock and awe and hopefully um, scare everybody into submission. And it didn't work because the 101st refused to quit. And they were fighting behind deep behind enemy lines at that point. They got run over by the Battle of the Bulge by hundreds of miles. Uh, and when he when they asked for the surrender of the colonel of the 101st, his response was nuts. That's what his, that's all he said. His response was nuts, N-U-T-Z, he said, nuts in the American style of the time, which meant basically, I have bigger balls than you. Nuts was what he was saying. Not going to happen, not going to do it, don't care what you had to say. My answer is, come and get it, right? So when, when uh, Patton read that, he laughed and he said, this beautiful son of a bitch, you know how Patton was, if you don't, that's the way he talked. He, he said, nuts, that beautiful son of a bitch. We need to go and bust through and get him out of there. Somebody give me back my tanks. That's almost verbatim what he said. <laughs> a cigar. We need to go. That's, those are fire pissers. We need to go in there. We need to break them out. He did just that. They gave him his tanks back because he had been suspended because he said we should be fighting the Russians, which he was right. But, you know. At the time, they didn't think that because we're allies. And they let him charge in, and he actually did. He charged in, and he, and he broke them out and, re, and then pulled into town and gave them food and fortified them. And that was when they pulled the 101st out. 
Um, but that was a battle of the bulge and that was that battle of the bulge happened because of that incident with the cake. And that was the response to it. And Wayne said, I'm out of here. <laughs> Speak next time. Take care all. Well, when welcome Wayne, when you were here, sorry that, that you left or that you're leaving. Right. What do you think about the, uh, the galactic angels and such entities that we're saying here. I have my new glasses on. So let me pull it up on the screen here and put my bifocals in the right place to read it. <laughs> right. So what do you think about the galactics angels and such entities? Um, well, do I think angels are real? Uh, yeah, I think in some sense, I, I really do believe that there is, you know, if, if the, if the hierarchy is real, and then we have, you know, like the Jesus character. We have Jesus, and then we have uh, ascension above that. And then you have Jesus's parents, and then above that, and the creation. There would have to be something there to maintain uh, and maintenance things. So you would have to have angels, the cherubim, and and the different uh, levels, uh, because even there you would have to have a military, right? Uh, of some sort, or at least a guard of some sort. There's always, always going to be a higher order. So you're going to have levels and you have stations. So, you know, is that the caste system still coming into play? Maybe. Um, but, you know, I, I believe that there are angels. I believe that even angels are some of the walk the earth. I believe that they're in all guises. And I think that that's a, a state of mind. So I think you could become one. I don't know about an archangel, but you could become uh, just about anything. So if that exists, then yeah, why not? I wouldn't say that it doesn't because in some way the angels uh, could be translated to, you know, your spirit guides. Uh, they would be the same. They have the same job. So it just depends on what you want to call them, uh, but they have the same job. So if you have a spirit guide, is that spirit guide not holy? Is that spirit guide not uh, above your station? Is that spirit guide not helping you? So that job that that spirit guide is doing is the job of an angel. So, you know, uh, someone looking out for you, someone trying to keep you from getting into trouble, someone trying to give you insight uh, would be the same as an angel. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just a matter of what you want to call uh, that position that they have. Right. So. <laughs> thank you, Marcus. I love that tale. So uh, is there a, a battle between light and dark going on? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. That's the design. We, that's literally what we're about here. Right. Um, Quite said that. Is there a battle between light and dark? Yes. Uh, and that is necessary for our growth. Do you understand? There was a time prior to the veiling. So how do you connect and cooperate? OK, well, I'll cover that next. Good question. All right. So before the veiling, there was a time when we weren't veiled and we knew that we were all part of the one true creator. So because of that, people were kind of sitting around not being really motivated to ascend because they knew the ascension. They knew what I was, what you are, what we all are. And so there's no real hurry. Well, that was not good to the creator. The creator wanted to have experiences and have every possible infinite experience possible. Therefore, something had to change because things were slowed down to a crawl. Right. And the, the universe mind was creating new and new and new uh, scenarios. And everybody was just kind of going and stopping and hanging out, smoking pot, being stupid. Right. I mean, we're all being whatever, sitting around. Yeah, dude, it's cool. We'll get there. So that had to change. So the ego was created. The veiling was created. And then evil was uh, the chaos. Chaos was created. That's evil. So that was created to uh, to push us faster into movement. 
lighting a fire under our ass, so to speak, to get us off our butts and start trying to, to learn because now we have a boogeyman that's going to harm us if we don't do something. So therefore we're motivated by that boogeyman to then say, that's the opposite. That's the bad. So what's the good. And then you start to look once you ask the questions, See, you start asking questions, you gain knowledge. And as you gain knowledge, you immediately start moving forward again. So that whole dichotomy was put in place to force us to uh, ascend. Uh, and um, because of that, we're now here and you have a choice. This is what the choice is. When you're born and you first are, I think, therefore I am, you're born in this place as a human being. And then you have to choose. That's the choice that I said that we come to. You have to choose whether you're going to be in service to others or in service to self, whether I'm going to be good or I'm going to be evil. And then the battle ensues between the two. One side can never beat the other side. It can never happen. Sometimes the pendulum swings one way, but it comes back to the other. So it looks very bad and dark, but then it starts coming back. Like with the whole COVID thing, when the first hit, it was the bell going bong all the way over on the evil side. They had the upper hand. They slid, slid that one in, threw all the fear at us, and then threw the lockdowns at us, and then threw the regulations at us. And it looked like they had us. And then all of a sudden it started swinging back. And now it has swung back to the point where people are going, COVID's over, give it up. And they haven't given it up yet. They're going to try and keep that going forever. But, you know, it's the point where people are going, okay, so look, it has a mortality rate of uh, a, a survival rate of 99%. So it's just like any other flu bug. People are starting to realize that now, right? So if they're saying you're going to have to wear a mask and get tested for that, well, do you have to wear a mask and get tested for the common cold? Because it has the exact same mortality rate. Are you going to have to wear a mask and get tested for diarrhea? It has the exact same uh, mortality rate. So what about people who have AIDS and has a higher mortality rate? Are we going to make them have a shot or, or get tested uh, once a week uh, and have to wear a mask so they can't breathe? What about people with tuberculosis? That breath of theirs can give you tuberculosis. That also has a 1% uh, death rate. Are we going to make uh, everybody wear a mask that has tuberculosis whenever they go somewhere and get tested once a week? Where does it end? Pretty soon you're testing for everything, right? Because uh, did I smoke a cigarette? My, my breathing on you can give you a lung cancer. So if I'm a smoker, I have to wear a mask and get tested to make sure I don't smell like smoke when I come into a room. So I have to put on a smoking jacket to have a cigarette and gloves and take those off and put them in my trunk so that I can now go into a place. Right. Where does that end? So it doesn't. It never ends. And you just keep adding on more and more reasons for people to distance away from each other. And it's all bullshit because we've lived on this planet this all this time and not had to worry about it. And so what they're still trying to make you afraid, saying that this Delta variant's killing everybody when it's not. It's they're still no one's dying of any other flu bug or influenza. They still aren't. So people are like, well, we have eradicated all those. No, you're just naming it all COVID. Come on, grow up. Think for yourself. Right. So. That, so that's, that's, you know, where they're going with that. It's crock, man. I've heard some guides. Oh, let's get back to the guide question. How do I contact and cooperate with my guides? Um, let's, let's do that really quickly. So how do you do that? You, you meditate. They're speaking to you all the time. You're going to hear information that's going to come from your right side behind you. And that information is your guides. If it comes from the left side behind you, it's usually your ego. And so that's the devil on your left shoulder and the, and your conscious or your conscience is the little angel on the right. And then your guides are on the right as well. So when you contact, usually sometimes if you're a medium and you're contacting the other side of the veil, you can get that information from either side, but you'll notice the difference between that. So if you meditate on that and say you want to make contact with your guides and you want to work with your guides, uh, then you'll, you'll start hearing that you'll start seeing things happen to where you start realizing that there was a thought in your head that you can tell really wasn't yours and that somebody put a concept in there. And that's your guide going, wait, don't go there. Don't go right, go left or stop. 
uh, or get out of here. Something bad's about to happen. You get this feeling and you leave and somebody robs the place and you go, that was my guy telling me get the hell out of there. So you have to see them and hear them. You have to pay attention, say, tell them that, you're, that you want to work with them and they'll step it up. They'll slap you in the head. They'll, they'll knock on your head. Look, hello. Hello, McFly. Think McFly. I'm right here. Uh, and then you'll see that they've been there the whole time. You just didn't notice that. Right. So you just have to meditate on that. So I have heard that I have heard Una says I have heard some guides are uh, uh, quite hands off with a person and uh, right. Well, some of them are uh, as in uh, incarnation. What do you think uh, if you are uh, if you are not in need of the of the the guides assistance full like bugging you all the time uh, because you're making the right decisions? The guide will just reinforce that. So they'll be kind of hands off, but they'll go, yes. Yes, you're getting it. Yes. And so you'll get that, you'll get that idea of um, uh, gratitude or affirmation when you do something. Right. So um, yeah, they're probably giving out placebos, right? <laughs> That's good. Try to check. Right. <laughs> yes. People are losing their jobs here as well. If they're not vaccinated they're, and that's going to change soon, we're suing here and they've already stopped. Uh, they were, courts have already said that the president doesn't have the power to make those mandates. Uh, so uh, soon here, all those people that are losing their jobs are going to sue their companies for their jobs back. And some of them are going to so get a lot of money. They've already got class action lawsuits. Uh, so I would say, you know, hopefully uh, people in your neck of the woods start fighting back as well. But yes, that's why we're having the crises that we're having worldwide right now is because the supply chain is diminished by a third over here. So we don't have enough people to truck this, the goods to the stores. We don't have enough people in the stores to put them on the shelves. We don't have enough people on the docks to unload them because of the mandates. Everybody can't work because they, they don't have the shot. Uh, and so what they're doing is they're waiting to see who's going to blink. Melissa and I talked about that the other day. Um, they're, they're waiting to see who's going to uh, blink. No, I agree. Mark, Marcus is saying, Leo, be careful. The algorithms, bro. <laughs> yeah. Right. Shut down the live broadcast. You're right. I'll have to, I'll have to be careful of what I'm saying here. You're absolutely right, Marcus. Thank you for reminding me that. Um, so, so you have to be careful, uh, uh, but you also have to fight back, right? Uh, um, there's enough. There's enough people. They're 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 going to blink. They're blinking now. Here, they're starting to freak out and try and figure out how to run things. So, 24 hours a day to get things uh, working and uh, uh, coming up with some cockamamie story about some cockamamie plan that they that they should have had in place before they started all of this. Anyways, if you're an adult, right? <laughs> But yes, Denise, I, you call that intuition. That is your intuition. Your intuition is your guides and yourself. Some, sometimes you're being helped as a guide you think is a guide and it's you as your higher self that's actually telling you stuff, right? So, and then you have like, you know, ringing, you can have ringing in your ears. Uh, you have to pay attention to that stuff and learn. You have to learn your body, learn your tells, uh, how you communicate with, I did a whole show on this a few years ago with a panel of people that were like shaman, mediums, psychics in other ways. And uh, a clergy and the whole nines. And, and um, all of us receive the information the exact same way. And we, we do that uh, from all over the world without, without uh, knowing that and meeting each other, we still receive everything the same way. So it's, it's one of those things where when you look at it on the surface, you could say, well, that's a learned trait, but why is it that people in Kenya also have the same intuition as somebody in Chicago? completely different uh, bring up completely different government completely different dna completely different people those people their dna's may have never been blended yet they're still figuring out the same exact things in the same ways that that is one of those things that's telling and i don't care how you try to describe that away as mass hysteria uh it just is what it is right 
So, so, you know, that you, you got to look at that when people say that they learned how to be a healer and they got it from the universe. And, and, uh, you know, I didn't have anybody teaching me, you know, uh, uh, you know, the, where did you get that from? Well, they're right. And what they're doing is, is actually helping people. So that comes from the universe. It comes from a higher source. And that's where, you know, we, we have labeled this Akashic record the, or Akashic. It depends on how you, how you say it, where your accent is. This hall of records that has everything uh, locked up in it. And I know if you listen to the law of one and a few other places where they talk about our reality, that um, we're being watched one and it's being recorded. I've ran on that a few times in different scriptures, as well as other people from off world, that not only is our reality being observed, but it's being recorded as well. So I'm living in a reality, and so are you. We're all living in our own realities, and we're having these experiences. We're recording these experiences in our memory, but there's an outside external source that's also recording what's happening. Okay, and we're not sure where that is. And more than likely, that's the source. The source. Right. As I point up with my fingers. So those of you on the MP3 file understand what I'm talking about. Right. <laughs> right? I know I should use the word allegedly a lot more. Right. They allegedly did this and allegedly said that you're absolutely in my opinion. Right. That's that's how you get away from getting in trouble. Agreed, Marcus. <laughs> I, I normally don't even talk about that stuff because of the algorithms, um, but I just kind of did uh, just uh, without thinking about it. Right. Uh, see, oh, see, I didn't know that. So De so Denise said, remember, on 9-11, I heard whispers in my ears to as to which way to run. I listened, and that's why I'm here. So I, I did not know, know that about you, Denise. So, so Denise was literally there, and someone is in her in her head said, "No, go this way. Run this way now. Run here. Run there." I was unaware of that, and that's why she's still with us. Uh, well, I'm glad that your your either your higher self or or your uh, guides got you out of that mess, uh, and there must be a reason for that. There, you were important enough to to have you removed and to be here. So that means the work that you are supposed to be doing is going to make a difference. Otherwise, there would have been no reason to save your soul. You're just a soul. You were there. Yeah, it's okay. You could die. But somebody decided you were important enough to not go here quickly. Now move, right? So somebody was controlling the matrix on your behalf and putting you in a position to get out of there. That was the cell phone that Neo ran and duck, go across the hall now, right? Climb out the window, go on the ledge. <clears throat> that sort of stuff, you're being told what to do. Somebody was making sure that you made it out of there. So you should honor that and ponder why, uh, because there's something that you're, um, um, I think, supposed to be doing uh, that is going to help other people. And that's why you were made sure to be here for this, right? Yeah, you probably were. I was, um, I was, how old was I? It was 9 11, right? Uh, so it was 2001. I was born in 67. So whatever that is. 30 something <laughs> Don't do the math 87 67 77 87 89 90 91 oh so 97 is 30 so so four so it's 34 uh, it was the day after my birthday uh, my birthday is the, the 10th so it was i was actually off work because i always take a, a vacation at that time because it's my birthday and in retail that's the last time you can take a vacation because after that it's all hands on deck until january so i was actually on vacation and the phone rang and it was my ex-wife, and she said, 
um, something's happened to one of the Twin Towers, turn on TV quickly, a plane crashed into it. I turned it on and, and like seconds later, the second plane crashed into it. And I said, hand the phone to your father. <laughs> so she did. And I said, Don, we're under attack. That's not, the first one might've been an accident. He says, I think you're right. I said, we need to wake everybody up. He said, let me call you back. I said, okay. So he and I started calling everybody that we knew. We we're both military families. So we started calling everybody that we knew and going up the chain. We are under attack. This is not a drill, right? Where are your people? <clears throat> then I called him back, <clears throat> you know. <clears throat> so I know where I was. I had a hangover. <laughs> and I was aroused in the early morning hours because I was in California. So it was like seven o'clock or something when the second one hit and I was woke up at like 630 and I had probably gone to bed at three because I was my party. It was my birthday the day before. Right. So I was hung over and, and the same thing happened. When I was watching the space shuttle when it crashed too. not the original one. The original one, I was up sitting there watching television. It was during the day in the, in the morning, afternoon. Increase it. I almost lost my life in, in my life in drug abuse and destructive behavior, but I'm here now. Uh, um, like you say, right. Uh, me too. Right. I was, uh, I was, uh, I was dealing drugs, doing drugs, debauchery, the whole nines, right. Uh, alcoholic. I st I'm still an alcoholic, but, and I still smoke pot, but I don't do all the harder drugs and the craziness. And, you know, I used to sit still like this and hang out on the, on the stoop and make a hundred dollars an hour because we had people that we were guarding who were weighing out dope, you know, cutting dope to, to sell to mules, to have it, you know, taken all over the place and crank and Coke and, and a pot and all that stuff. And we would provide the protection for people in secret houses for them to do it in. And, you know, we would pay people to use their house for the day, lots of money. And we come in and sweep the house, set up, do the whole gig, sweep the house again and leave. And then they would come home from work and I would pay them all kinds of money. And they would tell their neighbors that was just their nephew coming over, hanging out with his buddy for, for a day or two, and then we would move on. So I'm still here too. I shouldn't have been, right? So I went through all of that. Now I've cleaned everything up and I'm a Christian minister, right? Knighted by the Roman Catholic Church, working with coalitions, trying to save the planet. So we all change. We all got to go through that craziness when we're young to, to you know, uh, to make the choice. So you have to have your toe and your foot on either side to figure it out. You got to go through that craziness and have fun and get stupid, dumbass, drunk and drugs and almost lose your life. There should have been many times I shouldn't have been here. And then there's other things that I can't tell you about. I shouldn't have been here either. Right. It has to do with being in the IRA and things like that and people shooting at me and things like that. <laughs> so you would, Denise said, I would have been on the 100th floor of tower one. Let's put this on the board for people to see. I would have been on the 100th floor of the of Tower 1. My train had not been 10 minutes late, later 10 minutes, but I was in the building trying to get out. Wow. So had you gotten there 10 minutes earlier, you would have been on the 100th floor and you probably wouldn't be here now. So what are the odds of that, right? So the train well, it was 10 minutes later, and because of that, you were there 10 minutes later than you should or would have been for whatever reason the trains got behind that happens. Right. But that, how many lives did that save by that one train or that whole train system being late by 10 minutes? Right. That's crazy. Melissa said I was 12, <laughs> but I'm here. All right. And again, though, you were born in a time, Melissa, where you actually witnessed it. Even at 12 years old, you saw it, you witnessed it, you went through it. That changed your life. Do you see? And you're still here. Everything that we go through changes our lives, right? 
Uh, and so everything we experience too. So yeah, right. Hilarious history is yours, right? Yeah, I know, right? Isn't that crazy, right? So, so that you know, life itself is kind of that way. Everything is cyclical, and we came in at exactly when we're supposed to. Oh, right. Okay, Wayne, I'm an ex-firefighter. Full respect to those who have fallen. Agreed, right? Agreed. Full respect to those who who threw their lives away to help other people, sacrificed themselves trying to save people in anything, in war, in fires, in earthquakes, in floods. You know, I, I was living in Arizona for a while, and and you'd be surprised how many people get swept away by the monsoons there and in New Mexico and Texas and Louisiana and all through the South. And then, you know, just everything that happens. My father once, um, he was a firefighter here in California up in Grass Valley. It was before, way before I was born. And he was young, uh, and he was a fireman. And there was floods and some woman was getting swept down the muddy river and um, everybody was trying to figure it out. And they were trying to get ahead of her and figure out what was going on. My father grabbed the fire hose and tied it around his waist and took off running uh, towards the river. And he yelled, grab the other end of the hose. And everyone's like, what is he doing? And they looked and they're like, he's going to go in after that woman. And they all ran and grabbed the hose. Uh, and and ran over it and held on to it and he jumped out into the water with all this muddy water and he caught the woman uh, in, in his arms and he said he wrapped his arms and legs around her and she wrapped her arms and legs around him and he held on to her and the guys uh, grabbed the hose, all of them, and had it wrapped around themselves <clears throat> and they pulled and they pulled my father uh, in, you know, to the side and they finally got him out and he was there all muddy and uh, barely breathing. And the woman as well, but he saved their life. He saved that woman's life by doing something crazy. So, you know, going back to China's got 100 million people and we have uh, 100,000 people. You know, if you have somebody who does stupid shit like that and survives, um, you know, that's bravery that is stupid. And we Americans have been known for stupid bravery. Right. So, you know, uh, there's different people who do things. Uh, and not even think about the consequences. They said, you could have died. He, they, they said to him, why did you do that? He said, because if I didn't, she would have died. So he was willing to sacrifice his life if she lived and hoped that he would live too. And it, and it worked, right? So people can make a difference in a way that you don't even realize. Uh, you know, that's why I like that movie, The Old Guard with uh, Charlize Theron. And I tell people you should watch this because sometimes you don't realize that something simple that you do affect somebody in a, in a positive way and changes their life just by one little thing that you do. Right. A buddy of mine, um, I hadn't talked to him for a long time. He, he's got schizophrenia and he hears voices and he has most of almost all of his life. Some of those voices are telling him to do bad things. I hadn't talked to him for a long time. And one day somebody said his name to me and I said, you know, I haven't talked to him for a while. That's weird. And then the next day someone else said, Hey, have you heard from so-and-so? And I thought, okay, that's three people myself and two other people random that brought up this guy's name. I got to go and find him. So I was off the next day. So I went and I thought, okay, if his wife still works at this place, he'll be there to pick her up 
when she gets off of work because he, she doesn't drive. So I drove there and lo and behold, he was in the parking lot waiting for his wife. So I walked up and said, Hey, look who I found. He was like, Hey, what are you doing? And, and I talked and he got out and he gave me a hug. And I sat there, I waited and his wife came out when she was off work and I followed them over to their house and we hung out and we, and we uh, made friends, you know, again, cause we hadn't been talking to each other for a couple of years, <clears throat> started hanging out with one another again. <clears throat> and about a month later, he says to me, I wanted to thank you. He said, I was in a really bad place and I had been depressed for a long time and I was going to commit suicide. The night before you came and found me, I actually put the gun into my, in my mouth and almost pulled the trigger and I stopped. And had you not come and found me that day, I would have probably killed myself that day or the day after. And he's still alive to this day. One little thing that I did save that man's life. I had no idea of that. I just was, the universe is saying his name. I need to go find him. And I did. And I made such a, an effect on him that he decided to live and keep going. Right? So, so you know, like Marcus said, you, you hear these 9-11 stories, survival stories from people that are spectacular. Then, you you know, of course, we have those where they, it, they weren't so and so-and-so died or they got trapped and never found and it collapsed and that's going to happen. But there's still these other stories that, that are just phenomenal. How did that person not, how did that person make it out and not die? That's crazy. And you have to look at that as though you can't just look at it and go, Oh, it was just a blind chance. I was lucky. And who cares? Go on with life because nothing is that simple. At least in my opinion, Nothing is that simple. If you if something happens and you make it out, there's a reason for you to do that, not just random chance, right? There's a reason that you made it. Some people go, how come I lived and everyone else died? Because you're supposed to earn it. That was the whole uh, parody of Saving Private Ryan. Why was why was Ryan why why was he saved when everybody else died saving him? Because he had four brothers who died. He was the only one. Right. So his life became valuable because all of the other lives in his family were snuffed out and they needed to get that one boy home. Do you see? And all these other people died. Well, why are they not as important as that one person to the mother? They're not. To the anguish and bereavement of his of the mother, which was written by Abraham Lincoln to the to the uh, original uh, reason why the general said we're going to get him out was because of that letter written to a woman in the Civil War who lost seven sons. All of her sons died fighting in the Civil War. And Abraham Lincoln wrote her a letter that he apologized to her for the sacrifice that she had to have had to lose all of her sons. And because of that, he said, we're not going to let this boy die too. Not like what happened in uh, in Lincoln's time. We're going to go get him. And that was the story of that. Some people, uh, just because of that, need something. And it may not have be something special, but it, it's just that little thing that makes us still good in the universe. Do you see? And then Denise says, no sympathy, please. <laughs> but two years after 9-11, right? But two years after 9-11, developed uh, breast cancer, and now I'm a survivor. So you're surviving that as well. Good for you. Uh, now I have been, uh, um, uh, oh, right. Now you have with lung cancer. Great. Uh, grounded in, in, in for surgery next week. I didn't know any of this about you, Denise. 
uh, and uh, why I'm uh, sharing this is because because it was I said, oh, God wanted me to. It said, Gid, but you meant God. God wants you to. Yes. And you are a survivor. And there's a reason that you're going through the things that you're going through. Right. And, and that is is to persevere and to share this with people. God wants you to do that, wants you to share that. And and um, yeah, so, you know, I, I'm not going to give you sympathy, but I'm going to send you my love and I'm going to send you whatever energy I can healing wise uh, to help you go through this and make it through this. And please um, uh, stay in contact during your rehabilitation so that I know that you're okay and that you're going through that. And if I can help you in any way, uh, even if it's only in a, some way, moral way, right? <laughs> so, yeah. So she made she redid it, and, and she going for she fixed the sentence uh, the way it was because she didn't like the spelling, so she fixed it all for us, right? God wants me to learn something, uh, and is right. So you're you're not done learning yet, right? And that's why you're still here. So, so uh, kudos to you for that. And uh, yes, and I love you. So I will send you loving energy and uh, hope, you know, uh, let me know. You said next week, what day? Tell if you can tell me, please. So that way I know to focus my energy uh, then so that hopefully things go well for you and um, you you recover well. I went through that with Marcus. I don't know if he's still here. Uh, Marcus was in a really bad way in the hospital and and uh, he thought he was going to die. Uh, and um, he went through that and he's now. Uh, I think he's in remission. He's doing very well. Um, he has AIDS. I didn't ask him for permission to tell you that, but I don't think he would be angry with me. Uh, and uh, he was going to die. And that's how I met him. He started listening to my podcast and I started talking to him and we've become friends. And I was you know, constantly wanting to know how he was doing. He was sending me pictures of his rehabilitation. So you don't have to do that, but uh, it, just letting me know that you're you're doing okay. So Tuesday of next week. All right. So um, yeah, so everybody else who hears this out in the world know that Denise is, um, and I don't know how to say her last name, it's, it looks like uh, it's uh, Vertucci because you have two C's there. Um, I think you said that before, and it was, I'm not sure if it's a hard C or soft C, but it sounds Italian, so it sounds Vertucci, uh, is going to go in for surgery, lung cancer. Uh, everybody uh, send some loving uh, energy, um, not just to her, but to anybody that you want uh, that, that you can think of to everyone who's going through what you're going through, right? Thank you. I, I, so if, I, if I'm having any kind of effect, Denise, at all, um, then I'm doing a positive thing. I told Marcus the same thing and a, uh, and a buddy of mine, Bill, who was also in the hospital. <clears throat> Bill Van Horn, he's usually in here, but he hasn't been for a little bit. Uh, he was started listening to me doing the Law of One when I was doing that two years ago. Actually, I just finished with it last year, you know, this last year. Um, but he started listening to that and while he was in the hospital and, and he decided that he needed to brush up on the law of one because of me going through it uh, and, and, and dealing with it. And then uh, he did the same thing. And, and he told me that it gave him a renewed uh, um, um, will to, to continue to fight. Uh, and I'm like, if, if that is all I can accomplish uh, for onesie twosies, I'm doing my job. Right. So I love you guys. Uh, and I thank you guys for that. So yes, everybody send some some loving healing energy to 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 Denise for next Tuesday when she goes through her surgery and please let us know when you can afterwards that you're still with us and what's going on and and uh, how things are going even if it's I'm puking my guts out because of radiation or whatever right let us know. <laughs> so uh, do you think that's a good one? Do you think the um, 
do you think the karmic circle is coming to an end? There is no such thing as an end, my friend. Uh, however, do I think that, there, yes, the, the cycle uh, has actually come to an end already. Where, where If you look at the, at the cycle, the 32-year thousand cycle or whatever it is that the Mayans talked about, the Bakhtun 12 ended uh, in, um, uh, uh, 2012 and Bakhtun 13 is beginning. So this, so, so the cycle has ended. We're in the transitional phase between one cycle ending and the next cycle beginning. So, uh, is the cycle coming to an end? It's already ended. And now we're about turning into the state of Aquarius. So the cycle, the Bakhtun 13 is now beginning. So that cycle is now beginning. And that's, that's, as we're moving, this is the, the tribulation, the time from the apocalypse, uh, you know, where it's the end of the cycle and it gets very bad uh, and then there's upheaval uh, and then there's a lot of strife and a lot of people are scared and they don't know where to go and what to do and then it gets the darkest just before the dawn that's the dark night of the soul that's the soul work that Carl Jung talked about uh, that you have to go through and we're going through that as a collective consciousness uh, on as a human race and we're going to then come out the other side stronger and better so when the next cycle begins it's going to be a utopian cycle for those of us who choose it and don't choose the way of the AI and the, and the rest of society and staying as is uh, status quo. So for those who want to stay in the 30s and the 40s, that's going to be the pre-Renaissance, the Dark Ages, uh, and uh, eventually you're going to be down to about 580,000 humans on the planet, and AI is going to be made mostly running it. Uh, and that's the temporal war that's going on that those of us who are outside of the thought process of this avatar actually consents and it's and that war is going on because uh the past present and the future for those of us who are moving into the fourth uh is starting to happen all at once because once we leave the third um that's the only place where the vibration has the past the present and the future completely separate it starts to blend and get closer so you're able to glean it more next after this if you graduate on the positive side or the negative side uh you're going to then um be able to see it and so as you get closer to it, you start having more deja vus and you start noticing things. Wait, I had that dream. I already had that memory. This is weird. How come I know this already? It's because you're able to, to perceive that because you're starting to vibrate at that level. So the cycle has ended and the new one is about to begin. And we're just in that place where the zero point comes to a rest and then continues to go, you know, in, in both directions and, and collapse back in on itself or collapsing back in now. And you have to have, you have to descend down to nothingness before you can start a, a going again. So the, the winding down is happening. And when we hit the zero point, then we will become, do you see? So that's what we are as a, as a species right now here on this planet. Thank you. <laughs> Denise said, don't worry. I'll be watching next Wednesday from the hospital. I love you. I hope you are. I really do. I hope you do come on and say hi to us, even if only for a minute, so that we know that everything's cool. Um, so yeah, just so just sit tight, Quay, that this is the beginning. Um, just hold on because know that everything that's happening in the world right now is their loss. This is their their last death thrills. They they're they're still alive. So they're still fighting and they're fighting as hard as they can now. But what they don't realize is that from the first time the Jesus factor came. I call it that because the last time we called that entity Jesus. But if you look and read all the texts, that exact same character name, I just did a, a, a show on Saturday where I was talking on a webinar. I only talked for a half an hour, uh, but then uh, came back on the panel and kind of discussed things at the end. And we were talking about that. The whole theme was about the creation. And I'm going to be uh, coming up 
uh, on. I don't have that window opened. Uh, I'll have to grab it on my phone real quick. Coming up this month, I will be um, speaking in the engagement for uh, Stephen and Evan Strong uh, from Australia. They have um, their let me see here. I think I have it in my photos. Yes, I do. So I can tell you about it here. So coming up on the 27th of November, 2 p.m. Los Angeles time, 5 p.m. New York time, 28th of November, 6 a.m. Perth time, 9 a.m. Melbourne, Australia time. Um, I'm going to be speaking on our, our alien ancestry, mythical ways and historical days chapter 16 online conference i will be speaking at that engagement that is a paid event it's 26 dollar uh australian dollar uh ticket so it's about i don't know 20 or, or 18 american dollars and and a little bit less pounds if you're in england because uh, your money's worth more than ours still. So it's a couple of dollars less. You can figure out what that translation is, but I will be speaking there and I don't know what time I'll be speaking, but that's a, a full day. Uh, and it looks like there's at least one, two, three, four, five, six of us speakers minimum uh, that will be speaking. And I think we're doing an hour each. Um, I don't know, uh, but I'm going to be talking about that there, the creation and, and that story of the, the creation story, the Jesus story reoccurring. So to get back to what I was saying, um, they don't realize the powers that should not be, the, the evil that's in charge that's with this death roll. They don't realize that they were their dishes were done. Their their days were, were over and numbered the first time the Jesus character appeared on this planet, which was possibly as far back as, as 100,000 years ago. And then again, it reoccurred and reoccurred and reoccurred every couple thousand years until this last one, which we call Jesus. Uh, and all, and that is, you can read that in all the passages of all the, most of the books that they took out of all the Bibles have that narrative in there. Read the Hermetic text. That'll explain it. Just that one in and of itself. The, the, I was just read, going through that and reading it for the third and fourth time last night. Um, so just look up the Hermetic text, book two, or the Emerald Tablets of Thoth, and you'll get an idea of what's going on. The, the book of truth, the book of Enoch. Um, the book of Judas, look those books up, all the book of Thomas, all those books tell the same story over and over and over and over and over. The creation story from the beginning until now. Most of them were taken out of the Bible because they painted the all-father, the, the all-creator of the universe as an androgynous male-female, right? As was one sex, unisex. So those had to be taken out because uh, for the Hebrews to be converted to Christianity, they had to have a monotheistic God, a male-dominated um, Godhead, because that was what the, the Hebrews had. So you're not going to get all the people that are Jewish to become Christian if you don't keep the same uh, scenario. Jesus tried to get away from that, but as soon as he was out of the picture, uh, when, when he was gone and ascended, then Peter usurped the church and he immediately diminished the feminine to uh, that of a slave. Uh, of a secretary, a nun, and that's as far as they could go, and that men were in charge and you couldn't be married because they didn't want he didn't want to be married. He was gay and he didn't want to be married. I mean, you can you can look that up and read that. He said, I'd rather rather be married than to burn, but I hate her and all her kind. Was that because she was a certain race and he was racist, or because he was sexist? So he was either a prejudiced racist, and because there's a, a possibility that she might have been African. Right. Or he didn't like women, one or the other. And either one is not good. So he either hated women or he hated the color of her skin. Either way, he shouldn't have been an apostle. And the fact that he changed the church and said that women are nothing and they can't be clergy and men can't be married because you're married to the cloth. 
right? You're married to God. That's why that is enacted. It was because he didn't want to be married to a woman because he didn't like women. He was gay. You can look that up. I'm not making that up. I mean, allegedly, I might have to say just so that people don't get mad. Um, the Sumerian, yeah, okay, that, that too. Now, the Anunnaki, I talked about that. Um, am I talking about the Sumerian? Yes. And 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 the Anunnaki. Um, let's talk about that. There is no such thing as Anunnaki in the Sumerian language or text. Okay. That was a mistranslation by Zachariah Stitchin. I start, I talked about that. That's been proven, right? You can go and look that up. The the word Anunnaki, the way that you think it is, is not three words or not one word. It's not Anunnaki, right? And even with Stitchin's translation, he said that he broke it into three words. Anu, no, an, yeah, Anu, Na, Ki. Not Naki, not Anunnaki, but Anunnaki. Anu, Na, Ki. Three words, Okay. He saw the first word Anu, and he didn't look for the translation in Sumerian to find that word Anu. It wasn't there. But he found this Arcadian language, which was a Greek language, where the word Anu was. That was the god Anu. So he said they must be referring to the god of Anu because this was written around the same time as the Arcadian texts. So they must be talking about the same person. So they're talking about God. And then the word Ki meant come. So then he looked up the word Na, right? And the word na meant meant like uh, came down or arrived. So then he said, this is obviously God from heaven came to earth or those from the heavens came to earth. And that's the narrative, the, the language that the guys at the Ancient Aliens TV series ran with for since 2010 when they first went on the air. Right, and I know that because I've followed them ever since, and I and I am the creator and owner of of Ancient Aliens Worldwide, which is the largest Ancient Aliens group on the planet, on Facebook. We have over two hundred and eighty thousand members in there. So I'm not saying this as a debunker of uh, the alien, Ancient Alien theory, but Stitchin translated it wrong. There was two words, and it was Anuna, and the word key. You can look this up. The Sumerians actually wrote dictionaries of their language. So we know what every word meant. And the word Anu is not in their vocabulary. That's, a, that's a, an Arcadian word that was a god figure in the Arcadian language. And so that was also a mistranslation. Uh, and so the word doesn't mean those from heaven came to earth. It means royalty came. Anuna means royalty. <clears throat> okay, so Anuna came. So the royalty, the prince came. Has nothing to do with uh, uh, the, somebody from heaven. Okay, so the Anunnaki don't exist. There is no such thing as the Anunnaki. Um, that was something that was made up by Stitchin, and that was a narrative that is being painted by the Orion Crusaders. They're a group of people that are occupying the third dimension and the fourth dimensional races, and they're evil. And how they uh, how they take over a planet is they understand and know what I know that humans were born with an incorruptible power. We have the power of creation. So therefore, we're in charge of this matrix. We can create what we want here. But because of the veiling, the mind wiping, we don't understand that at birth. So what they have done and what they do is they paint a narrative of, of a couple of different things. One, we were either created as a slave labor race by a god, Anunnaki, uh, to mine minerals and we're a slave labor race. Or two, we are a penal colony put here by another race of beings, um, possibly the Anunnaki or anyone who claims they're them, and that we're in a prison. And that way they can show up and either be our savior gods or our creator gods. And that's how the vampire gets in the door. 
because the vampire can't come in the door unless you invite them in. So they convince enough of the population that were either slaves built to be uh, uh, working for someone, created and manufactured in a Petri dish, or captured from somewhere and thrown in a prison. And either way, they're either our savior or our creator God, and they show up. And if we all will, enough of us believe that, it becomes so. Because we drive the narrative. We create the reality here. So that's a ploy to take over the planet, a plot. And then they have uh, enlisted the powers that should not be. People here believe that there's Luciferians, that they come from this race of the uh, Lucifer was their, was their leader, their god, and that they are uh, a royalty and in charge of this planet. And as long as they propagate that story, the gods who are talking to them promise to make them warlords over the earth. Do you see? So the rich and the elite are still trying to change that narrative to that too. So that's why you have like the television network of Gaia being so draconian uh, and and working with the Dra with the Draco trying to drive that narrative. And you have the same thing with the History Channel's people knowing that his translation has been proven to be wrong, still to this day driving the same Anunnaki Anunnaki narrative that they drove in 2010. Even though by 2012 they already knew that his translation was actually proven to be wrong, false, and there is no such uh, beings called the Anunnaki. But people still tend to believe it, just like they tend to believe that the earth is flat, too, and say, well, they have a great argument. Well, there's a great argument for everything. And here you have the freedom of choice. So if you want to believe the Anunnaki is, is alive and real, you can. I can't stop you from believing that. But they're never going to show up because there's not going to ever be enough of us on this planet who believe we're slaves to make that happen. Just not, because some of us know and have been warned from outside sources that that's what's going on. I refer there to the, the law of one. If you read the law of one, you're being told, and there's other sources where you're being told the same thing. Beware of these people. That's how they take over planets because they understand that we control the matrix. So, so was I talking about the Sumerian Anunnaki? Uh, only yes in that uh, the, the bad people that are call themselves the Orion uh, Crusaders are, have propagated that entire ideology of Anunnaki. Uh, and there is proof to that. It's not just me saying that. That's not an alleged thing. You can go and, and look up, uh, you can go, you go to YouTube and punch in, uh, you know, stitch and debunked and it'll pull up the doctor. There's an eight minute video by this, this doctor who is a doctor of linguistics. And he explains the entire thing to you and says, no, that, that it was just wrong. And it, what I said to you is it, many different people have said that same thing about stitching. So um, did you read 12th planet by Zachariah Stitchin? No, no, I haven't. Uh, and again, Zachariah Stitchin doesn't have any credentials that say he knows what he's talking about. He taught himself, um, um, uh, you know, Mesopotamian to try and translate that stuff. So I haven't read anything uh, from from Stitching at all of any of his works. So, uh, you know, I don't know anything about, you know, the 12th planet. I mean, I know I've heard stories that there's this planet that's on this cycle uh, that only gets close enough to be here, right? And if the Anunnaki were gods, let's talk about that theory. It only gets to, close enough to be here at a certain time. And then those people who live on that planet can travel to Earth which right there in and of itself says they're not gods. Because if they were gods, the distance wouldn't mean anything to them, and they could travel to Earth whenever they wanted to. The fact that they have to be within a certain mileage from Earth to get here says they're on rockets, and that technology can only go that far. So right there, in and of itself, if this said planet orbits around the Earth and they only show up here once every 12,000, 35,000, I don't care what the number of years is, 
whatever there's a number of years where they can't come to Earth means their technology only allows them to travel so far away from their planet. And there's a cutoff point where they can't make it back to their planet or reach the Earth, which means they're not gods because they're reliant on a technology that can only go a certain distance away from their home. And if in a 12,000-year cycle that doesn't decrease, that tells me they're not in any way growing as a nation or as a species. So I would, so I would uh, accept it more readily if the history said the first time they came was 144,000 years uh, ago, and the second they came was 20,000 years after that, and the third time they came was 18,000 years after that, and the fourth time they came was 10,000 years after that. They're growing in technology, and the distance they can fly away from their home is getting less and less so, or longer and longer away. Do you see? They can travel further away. So the fact that these people are supposed to be here already and this planet is now supposed to be close enough for them to be here and they're not landing here saying, we're your creator gods, suggests that it's just not true. Or they're not there anymore. Or their technology hasn't advanced. So in that same 12,000-year time period, we have gone from, from barbarians to flying in space. So they should have gone from being able to fly here at 22,000 light years away to maybe double that, but they haven't. They're overdue and they're late. Okay. So I don't buy into that at all. That you, have, you can talk about it on a theory and say, well, they have this planet that they're on and they can't read. They're just dudes. They're just dudes like us in a three-dimensional body with space travel. That's it. No different between you and I. They just can't fly here from where they are. If they were gods, Distance wouldn't mean anything because I'm a god. God doesn't need a starship. Okay? So if they were gods, they would just appear here in front of us and they would be here now to remind us because we're all going, where are these gods? So they either ascended past the point of, 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 of occupation of lower life forms or they haven't. Right. So have they shown up and didn't come down to tell us that they're the, our creator gods? Why? Because have we ascended to a place where we would go, no, show you the finger, the finger for thee, and and you're not anybody? Or are they not, are they not there? So I don't buy into that. They show up and say, here we are. Leo, you don't know what you're talking about. I'll be the first one to go on air and go, whoa, look at that. There they are. They're real. But I'm not buying it because if they show up, I'm going to also then, because I know that our government and the governments of the world have a false flag narrative that is isn't a mock-up alien invasion to, to force everybody into one world government. I know that they have this as a, as a plan. I know this from insiders in the government, that they've bragged about it, that they can push a button and make an alien invasion happen and then, and then show us all the technology that they really have by driving off this alien invasion and telling everybody we have to get apart our differences now and we have to come together as one world government so that we can fight off these evil, bad aliens that don't have, even exist, that they made up and pretended that they were real so that they could take control of the entire planet. That's a plan that I know is in place. Okay, so even if someone showed up and said, we're the Anunnaki, I'd still be going, yeah, really? Yeah, what's your last name, Hudson? Right, what's your last name again? Mick what? You're from where? Italian, Italian, right? Where are you from on this planet exactly? So, yeah. Yeah, no, I don't agree. I, mean, I agree with you, Zen. I don't believe that ancient aliens created humans either, right? Uh, so I don't, I don't, I don't believe that. And, and I, and if you look up, there's nowhere with all the scriptures we have, okay, 
there would be something in there where you wouldn't have to go allegedly, right? Well, then let's just take that word out, God, and put in aliens. Well, let's take out the word ant and put in aliens. That doesn't mean the ant is an alien. Just means you change the word, man. Right? Just changing the word doesn't change the entire uh, creation of the species. Let's say that God created the human race, but let's take the word God out and put in the word alien in there. Now, aliens created humans. No, 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 they didn't, because an alien is another dude who's from another place, just like me. I'm not a god, not at this level. Okay, so nobody on a three-dimensional level created us or put us in a prison. I did two entire shows <laughs> two weeks ago about the prison system thing, right? So, uh, yeah, so you know, yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't mess around with that belief either, right? Who was gay? Stormy says I missed that. Oh, I was talking about Peter, uh, the one of the disciples that um, that usurped the church, took over the Roman Catholic Church, the Christian Church, after uh, Jesus ascended. Uh, all of a sudden, uh, Mary disappears out of the picture, and she's completely not written about in the uh, in the Bible anymore. And all of the laws change uh, of the religion itself. And uh, now it's not uh, men and women are equal anymore. It's men are in charge, and women are now uh, basic uh, a property like they were in the Hebrew religion prior to Christianity. And everything that Jesus was preaching about equality with men and women and that women could preach was all put to a side, and women were just diminished to a housekeeper role as a nun uh, in that religion. And and, uh, and, and that's where the changes were made, because I believe, uh, and there's a lot of us in the academic world that believe that it was because Peter was gay. He, he said that without saying it in, in different things that he said leading up to that, like, uh, I hate her and all her kind, or uh, and I, it's better to be married than to burn, because you had to be married in the Hebrew religion if you were going to be in any way uh, considered a rabbi, a teacher. You had to be married. So Jesus had to have been married to a female to be called rabbi. And we know he was called rabbi. So he had to have had a family. He had to have a wife and, and, and possibly children. So when, when he, when Jesus was out of the picture, all of a sudden, what, what happened to Mary? Where did she go? She was the one who first saw him gone. Right. And she was the one who reported that she ran into what she thought was with the other Mary, her, her mother-in-law, what they thought was the groundskeeper, and it turned out it was Jesus. And then she, they went and told everybody, and they didn't believe, and Doubting Thomas didn't believe, and then Jesus appeared to them and then showed Doubting Thomas, look at the wounds, and da-da-da-da-da. Okay, so, though, so there's, there's no real proof, but there's also no definitive proof that Jesus ever existed. So let alone Paul or Peter, whichever one took over the church, being gay. There is no proof of that either. But if you read in the scriptures how things went, and you had to take a modern perspective of what if this guy was gay— and the things he says pretty much says, I'm gay and I don't like women, right? And this, are my, and this is how he showed it. As soon as he got a hold of the church, he was like, nobody gets married. That's it. Women, you guys are just housekeepers, right? Back to property. And then, and then he buggered little boys, <laughs> right? So I'm just saying, I could be wrong about all of that. But from what I've gathered and what other people have gathered, that's what we believe these days was that. So that's who I was saying was gay. Not that it's a bad thing. I'm just saying that I believe that that's what was going on back then. So let me see what you guys have saying here in the chat. Anything exciting? Um, what about Atlantis, Limeria? Good. Okay. So we, that's that's actually really good. Let's, that's a good good direction to go. We have had many cycles uh, of of life on this planet. Some that we don't even know existed, and some are still in our memory that are very ancient. 
right? Like Atlantis, there's these stories. We don't know for certain that it was real, but it's stories that not that don't just appear in the Greek and Roman texts. Okay, it was where we first saw them because those texts were kept when all the when everything was being burnt in Alexandria, and then prior to the Renaissance, when they were trying to burn all of the history of our world. Some of those were saved, so we have remnants and stories from around the world of civilizations that were alive in a time way before this one. And those are a couple of them. Lemuria or Lemira, however you say that. Uh, that was that was a, a one. You know that that is a, a a time when either first of all, both things were true that the water line of the Earth was way way less, five hundred more feet less. Uh, uh, deep than it is now. All that water was in our ionosphere and in the in during the ice ages at the at the caps. So there was really only a, a band, uh, you know, uh, of the lower part of the North American continent and the, uh, you know, in the equator and in Africa uh, that was a green belt to the world, and everything else was frozen uh, at that time. And if you look at prior to that ice age atlantis was there then uh and you and you would have had um uh Lemira there because the water level would have been far lower and all of the all of the pacific ocean uh would have been uh, a lot higher uh, you know the water would have been lower so we'd have had a lot more mountain range and uh, and the like and the same thing with uh the the uh, walkway going across from alaska to to uh asia would have been there because the water table would have been so much lower and the snow being up there, they would have been able to come across. So you had a lot of things going. It could have been a prior to the split of all the land mass being Lemira, right? So they're, they're not exactly sure if it was that and then the land mass split or if it was the water table being so low and the, and the Pacific region was basically one entire, what we call now the ring of fire, didn't have any water on it or, or hardly at all. The sea would have been a much smaller, lower level. We're not exactly sure the timeline of those because that was a time that was prior to this one that existed. And there's a few of those that we still have remnants of. And so those are very confusing to us because they talk about the the um, the the demographic of the planet itself being in a completely different configuration to what we know now. And then we know of times when the flood happened and that changed the, the face of the earth and then the waters receded. And the, and again, it wasn't as, as, as flooded as it is, but then the ice age ended and the water level rose again and we lost many cities into the sea. Uh, so it's kind of hard uh, and we're starting to find some of them underwater, but I, I don't think they didn't exist. I believe they do. If you read the Emerald Tablet, Tablets of Thoth, he talks about uh, the... Uh, um, uh, Atlantis and uh, the Atlanteans messing with the the um, zero point in the planet's rotation and stopping the Earth, and that flash flooded and froze over Atlantis. And we believe that that also because they stopped the planet from turning. That when you stop the planet from turning, uh, everything that is riding on the wave of the mantle is going to continue turning. So if the core stops turning the earth is still going to be turning as the, as the inertia is still turning the entire crust as it's floating on top until that comes to a stop on after you know if the inertia breaks down from the the kinetic energy slows and then it stops but then the earth started spinning again and again you still have the slow pickup uh that happens as it starts to pick up speed to get back to normal and while that's happening there's a lot of calamity happening with the landmass ripping apart and tearing apart uh in many different ways because of that so we completely appear differently now than we did before that because just of one incident if that incident was true
And at the same time period, it looks like the earth flipped over on its axis and then flipped back up again because we have records of the day that, that the sun set in the west and rose in the west and set in the east and then rose in the east and set in the west. So it went from the proper way of rising in the west and setting in the east to then rising again from the west and going back to the east and then rising back the right way. So that would suggest the world flipped over on its axis for one one day, one diurnal cycle, and then flipped itself upright uh, and started over again. So because of that, you're going to have a complete upheaval of the mantle as well, and then the crust floating on top of it. So you're going to have mass, mass extinction at that point of the human race because of fires and floods and acid rain and, and volcanoes and eruptions and earthquakes and all of this stuff is going to happen. Uh, and we find that that was in history. So we can track that so that we believe that the history um, is from a different time. And then you have people around the world that belong to very old um, ideologies and religions who say there were many other times prior to that. And we just have a partial memory of this time and a little teeny memory, less than a partial memory of the time prior and that there were more times before that. And like the Aborigines in Australia know that. And they talk about that. Of the, they have histories of the different times. And then the Hindus uh, in, in India, in that area, because their philosophy is so old, they've been around longer than other races. Uh, so you hear more of that history being there. Uh, so we, we don't know. Uh, but I believe, you know, I don't believe we started 10,000 years ago. We've been around a lot longer than that. So we had to have had civilizations. We just think that because we're technological, that we're the biggest advancement that's ever been on this planet. And that's just folly to think that. If we've done that this time, we could have done it many times. And we probably did. So how many times have we lived in a cycle where we've been destroyed or close to, to being wiped out? We know that volcano erupted 75,000 years ago and almost decimated the entire planet. And there were small pockets up in the north in Australia and in South Africa and Madagascar. Those were the only pockets of places that lived during the deluge. It was the same. The people in the far north and the same people, the people in South Africa area and the Aborigines. So in Australia. So the so that has happened more than once. We had the, an earthquake that did that. We had a volcano that did that at another time. Right. We had a, a, a planet killing asteroid that did it another time. So there have been at least three or four events that have happened that we are already aware of that were planet global killing events that almost decimated the entire population of the human race. How many times have things like that happened that we're unaware of, that we have no history of, right? So we, we don't know. And then there's hints of it, right? Where people were, will talk about it and they have it in their history or their memory. So we really don't know how far back that goes. It's kind of crazy to think about. And yes, Kevin, Kevin, you're so on it, bro. You're, you have like, you have done some really good uh, shadow work, bro. And the time that I've known you, you used to just say sarcastic stuff and you're saying some very spiritual things uh, uh, in the last couple of years. And I wanted to point that out, Kevin. I want to point out that uh, that you and I, I think, are, are kind of growing at the same rate because you and I used to be real cynical and sarcastic a few years ago. And, and now I see even you're saying things. Yes, I'm going to put this on the screen because this is the truth right here. The only thing that is that that is real in is, is the presence. The past isn't real anymore because it's gone. He, you're, he, Kevin is so right. We focus so much. We need to know the past to understand what we've done and how much and where we've come from so we know we're making headway but we also have to know the past to see the cyclical nature of the universe and the race once we get that down 
Kevin's right. None of that means anything anymore because it already happened. And those people lived through that then. But what we're, what we glean from them is what they were trying to tell us. And that's exactly what Kevin just said. What is real and what is matters is now here in the present. That stuff that happened before was for those people to have their present. Do you see? So we're not supposed to dwell in that. We're supposed to dwell now. We're supposed to use that as a reference. So Kevin's right. It's gone. It's not real anymore because it already happened. It's done. But we, what we can gain from it is the knowledge not to make a mistake that they made, right? So that we move further forward faster than they did. So we need the past to be there as a reference point, but we shouldn't be looking at the past and trying to live that way because that's the way they needed to live 10,000 years ago, 20,000 years ago, 100,000 years ago. It's different. This is now. So Kevin, you're right, brother. And I, and I love that you said that. I'm going to put that up on the screen again for people to see that. The only thing that is real is the present. The past isn't real anymore because it's done. It already happened, right? It's a reference point now. It's like the pirate codex. It's more of a guideline really than a law, right? Isn't that what Barbosa said? Right. So so it's it's not really it's there for us to see as a guide. And from there, we're supposed to make our own spices to our own meal. Right. You get a you get a you get a, a recipe on how to make something. Who goes by that recipe? One hundred percent. If you're just learning how to cook, you do that. Once you've learned how to cook, you go, yeah, but I like a little bit more garlic in my shit and bam, kick it up a notch. I don't like that, but most people do. Right. So, so we change a few things. This is a guideline. So the history is a guideline. It's not the rule. It's a, it should be a guideline. All right. So Q, what did, Q, Q, what did we say here? Right. We said, do you believe, do you believe we were more spiritually advanced back then? And after the fall, we, we uh, dive deeper into uh, materia and darkness. So with this knowledge is this consciousness, we now can go back. Okay. So I think I, I'm getting the gist of it. Were we more spiritual? Depends on when and where. If you look at um, the South American continent of, of the world, the people that were primarily living in that region back 3,000 years ago were far more spiritual than we are now. That's why they ascended. That's why you have two cultures that disappeared off the face of the earth. One, I'm told, because they were uh, they were too bloody and gory and they were murdering everybody trying to get the gods to return. But the other one ascended, right? So there's different peoples around this earth at different times who were very spiritual and they ascended as a whole people. Uh, and then there was a bunch that did not. So so it depends on where you're looking, right? Um, people being more simple, not having technology, have a tendency to be more spiritual because they're not obsessed with or distracted by all of the technology. So what has happened, truthfully, is that our race, not only have we forgotten the, because of the veiling, we've pushed ourselves away from the Godhead, away from spirituality, uh, so far that the immortal soul became afraid that we were never going to make it back and was crying out for help. And right now the pendulum is swinging back. Those of us who came here are, are uh, making the world more spiritual and we're pushing it back into the place. So the pendulum has now swung from the farthest it's going to be away from the light and is now swinging back towards the light away from darkness. But to us here, it seems like this is the darkest place when it's actually not. If you look back in time and look at how harsh things were a thousand years ago, 2000 years ago, 3000 years ago, it was a bloody mess. 
but there were still people that were being spiritual there. But the number of, of people who were awake and spiritual were one or two per generation, whereas now it's becoming uh, almost everyone, right? We're to the point where it's more 50% of than 50% of the human race is considers themselves a spiritual being. So we are moving in a way uh, in, back towards the consciousness uh, as a group. And we're almost to the seminal point now, the point of no return. And that's what the evil people are trying to stop from happening. They want the status quo. They liked it when it was bad and dark. Right. So we're in a far better place now than we ever have been. It just doesn't seem like it because it's very dark and they're uh, going, throwing out all stops and they're almost to the point of literally pulling out guns and shooting people to get people to do what they want them to do. Right. So, yes, yeah, so that's so that's my my take on that. I mean, I may be wrong in all of this. All of this may just be my interpretation or my opinion. Uh, however, I try to base everything uh, as a scientist and always have not in what I want to happen, but what it, what I'm finding out is and can't can't be taken away. You know what I mean? When you know, when, when you hear the same story being told uh, over and over in parables, it's being told that way on purpose because it's trying to reach as many people as possible. Do you understand? And I'm finding that that's happening more and more. Things are unlocking in a way that I've read uh, uh, texts five years ago, and it was a completely different text than I'm reading the same text now. And I'm like, that's not what that said at all when I read that five years ago. I'm getting a completely different message from this. I mean, completely different message from the message I got five years ago. So I don't know if it's just me because it seems like there's other people that are interpreting these things as well. And that's why when I say this is the time of tribulation, this is the time when all things were locked up for this, for this, uh, uh, uh this, um, um, group of people, this, this, uh, 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 you know, the people who will live in the future a long ways away, those people will be the ones that understand this. I'm understanding that. And I wasn't doing that 10 years ago. And I am now. And I'm going, how did I not hear this when I read this? And I mean, what are other people hearing when they read this? And I talked to other people and I'm finding that other people, it's translating for them as well. I talked about it when I was doing that show last Saturday on the 6th. And the other woman that was there, she was the same way. And I, and, and I asked her, we're friends on Facebook now, but I asked her, did, did, when you read these books 10 years ago, did that, was that the message that you were getting from the books and you were just confused and didn't know it? She said, no, I'm with you. This is a completely different translation. And I, so I went back and I was do, redoing the hermetic texts and I actually got to the, to the um, ninth chapter. And um, that's where, where in, the, in their Hermes actually says, this is the secret teachings of of god and that only those of you who understand this will understand the words that i'm saying now i never heard that before until just a few days ago so so collectively yes so collectively i resonate with it i i have the same way to see things sort of right when that's what's happening right so as a collective conscious we are now moving into that place where we understand what's happening and that's why the hopi rock legend and you know of making the choice uh, is becoming more prevalent because we're realizing now that's what these books are telling us. We are in the time of choosing, right? And and so for people like me, it's exciting because if I'm getting that, I need to tell you that. And that way other people start to understand and then read these things. And if we're getting that and I'm not the only one, then I don't think I, I've gone crazy and I'm just making this shit up. When other people are hearing the exact same words and reading the same words, those words weren't there before, but they are now, right? What else is going to be unlocked? I'm excited about that. <laughs> so, 
right? So, so yeah, just keep doing what you're doing, buddy. If you're starting to see that stuff uh, when you're reading these texts, go back because once the once you start reading it, and you realize that the words aren't saying exactly what your mind is catching, right? And you're thinking to yourself, wait a minute, this sounds like I've heard this before. If you start realizing that every chapter is the same chapter over and over, said differently. And you're like, wait a minute, this is only one message and there's 10 chapters, but it's the same message being told over and over in a different way. Once you realize that those are parables and that they mean the exact same thing and you start putting that together, you'll find that one of those will completely baffle your mind because it'll come to you in exactly a translation that you understand. And you'll see it starting to smooth into it. I've noticed that where I have no idea quite really what they're saying, but I kind of recognize there's a pattern here that seems to be repeating. And then all of a sudden, the pattern from each chapter becomes more and more legible to my English mind, to my, my European language that I'm speaking to you now. And that becomes more and more prevalent at different places and it's like a code where chapter one, they had the third portion of the of the paragraph was in a in a type of English that I would understand, but all the rest of it wasn't. And then the second chapter had the fourth portion that was slightly different, but I could understand it slightly, but not the rest of it. And then the third chapter had the first uh, quarter or the first one third uh, was something that I understood as an English uh, from either old English to now, but I wasn't quite sure of the translation. And it keeps changing slightly in different places until your brain catches the entire thing as a whole. And then you realize what's being said is the same thing being said over and over and over and over and over in every chapter. And it's, and then you go to another book and you start picking up the same thing and you start realizing that and it keeps saying the same thing over and over and over and you're listening to it. And there might be three things they say over and over. Uh, and there's only three different messages in three different in, in all of the books. And some of the books have all three messages in them and some of them have only one. And they just re keep repeating it over and over. And the other one has this, the other one. And I've noticed that in all of the books that are all the all the texts that were taken out of uh, all of the Bibles around the world. So I don't know if you guys catch them that way, but I am now, and I know other people are as well. So if I'm starting to and other people are starting to soon, collectively, like you're saying, the collective consciousness of the human race is going to understand all of those messages that were locked away for a time that was supposed to be way into the future, uh, and it is now. Okay. So like Melissa said, I'm extremely excited to see what's going to happen going forward because I'm optimistic uh, in, in my belief of the universe and uh, all of what we're here to do and what's happening. And, uh, and I've gotten to the point where I'll tell you because I, I'm giving you the tools. I'm not going to try and convince you of anything because you have a choice to make. It's your choice, not mine. I can't force anybody to believe anything. So even if I say this all to you and it falls on deaf ears and you're just like, that guy is a nutball and I'm changing the channel, it's not for you. You're not ready. So therefore, I'm not going to chase you. It's not my job. I'm not Jesus. I'm not the Savior. I'm here to help. So I'm here to give you tools. You're, it's your job to, to see them for what they are and use them. And that's no different than what these books are doing. Right. So I'm not doing something that, uh, you know, is a, a delusion of grandeur. I'm all I'm doing is I'm picking up a, a book and I'm reading it and I'm going, hey, did you know, guys, did you see this part right here? And this is part where it says we're in charge of the creation right here. 
And then people go, shut up, get out of here, you moron. Oh, all right, then. Uh, and look, did you see this part right here? It says we were saved before we were born because we were born as gods. It says it right there. Get, get out of here, you lunatic. Okay, well, well. And it says that Jesus is the key, that his knowledge is the key, and, the he, and through him is the door. And without knowing Jesus, you wouldn't be able to see the door, so you can't get out of this panic room. Shut up with that whole, you know, here you go with a religion thing. I don't want to sell you. Get me away from your religion. Okay, I'll put that book down too. How about this version? Does this ring a bell to you? No, no. How about this one? No. And if none of them do, I move on. <laughs> I move on. You're not ready. It's not for you. You're either here for the very first time or you're not believing me, which means that you're not ready to make the decision and wake up. So I'm not going to spend any time on you. You have to save you. All I'm trying to do is show you the tools that would help you save yourself. And if you don't want to pick them up and see them for what they are, you won't. Right? So I'm not here trying to convince anyone. I'm just trying to hold up cue cards. Right? <laughs> That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to show you the same place I found the information and the same place I know that everyone else who found it, found it there. So your course in finding that is your enlightenment. If you enlighten yourself, enough you will it will be there for you and there's nothing that, that no one no universal life force of any kind can stop you from learning the knowledge to save yourself because it is yours from the time you were born and it will be yours long after you're gone out of existence do you see we might we might been blocked blocked to the to the thought right was that what you're saying knowledge is power they hold it for them or for themselves but can't anymore yes we have been yes they they have tried to keep it from us that's you're exactly right we put this up on the screen here and make sure i'm reading this right right we might been blocked to the thought yes because they don't want us to know the power. Knowledge is power. They hold on to it for themselves, but they can't anymore. You're absolutely right. They've been trying to, to, to keep that knowledge and erase it from the human race as long as they can so that they can control the matrix. Absolutely. They control the reality, and that's what they've done. And they have had that in play for a very long time, longer than you would suspect, somewhere around 150,000 years or more. Okay, and they've been doing that on this planet to us, to humans, and they've been, been making us recycle, killing us off. Uh, people like me and you who think what we just thought and said, but they can't anymore. Do you see? I'm here telling you this. They didn't kill me. Right. They've tried, but they didn't. Why? Because now they can't anymore. It's not as easy to kill us off before they would just show up, bump you off and everybody would go back to sleep and go back to work. Right now, people don't do that. They go, wait a minute. They killed that guy. They murdered that guy. No, no conspiracy theory, dude. Doesn't matter. But then there's someone else who picks up that mantle. So we've gotten to the point now where, where literally it's not the way it was when Jesus was alive. They killed him over the information. Think about that. He allowed it. Right. He's the one who convinced Judas to turn him in. You should read the book of Judas. Right. So he, he made that happen. He wanted that to happen to martyr himself. And then Muhammad didn't have to do that to martyr himself, but he still martyred himself. He didn't have to die to do it. He just ascended and people still follow him like they follow Jesus, right? They were the same character. They were both the hero. They were both the savior. They were both the, the teacher. They were both the same character. And you realize that when you start realizing that by reading the scriptures that have been uh, hidden around the world, all these scrolls, and once you start to interpret them, you realize that, that the Jesus factor happened many times throughout history. In the history that we have, in the three to 5,000 year history that we have, 
that it has happened more than just Jesus did 2,000 years ago. There was another one 1,000 years before him and another one uh, 800 years before that, and it goes back, and I, we ha I have no idea how far back. But I would wager probably somewhere around 12 times because of the cyclical nature of the universe, the 13 being the one, right? That's the one plus the three energy, right? That's the one. One and three, 13. Not one and three meaning four, but one and three, right? That's the three, the six, and the nine. You become the 12. The 12, it becomes the 13. The 13 is the one. Do you understand that? You probably don't, but it's okay. Uh, some of people do. Once you once you become, once you go through the center, the center is the zero point. The zero point is the is the controller, the creator, the one through the the center. So that's the Taurus energy of the planet. That's why Thoth says the way to the God is through the center. It's that's because it's, it's through the center of the Taurus. Uh, that's the zero point. And uh, Omar talked about that on, on Saturday when we did that webinar, but that was a paid event. It was $11.11. I don't know how many people were, were there. I didn't even talk about it after we did it. I just did it and was grateful to be there. And I'm going to be on the one with the Strongs uh, coming up on the, I think you said the 27th. Uh, and you guys should check that out. But I talk about it in here as well, right? Yeah, if you keep an open mind, Denise, you're absolutely right. If you keep an open mind, everything is possible. Right. So that is the truth of that. If you're if you're paying attention and you're willing to uh, uh, have that open mind, you're willing to to look at things and say, hey, who knows? Maybe, you know, anything's possible. And, it, and if you do that, then you're, you're more apt to um, start catching things because you, you'll start seeing the patterns then. Uh, in different things. And once you start opening your mind to knowledge, first of all, that's the key to the universe. So once you start asking questions and trying to seek knowledge, you will, that is the beginning of your saving yourself because you'll start to do that. And what happens is you'll lead yourself inward always and ever and forever. You'll lead yourself into you. And that's where the shadow comes into play, the shadow work where you have to work with your ego and you have to work with your shadow because you take everything. This is what Jung talked about. We take everything and we shove it down into the shadow. We shove it down into the body, into the pain body, uh, and into the mind, into the shadow places where we can hide it. We don't want to see it. We don't want to put up with it. We don't want to do it because it was just too traumatic. Those things are not gone. They are still there. And I explain this to people by your pain body is a recording device and so is your mind. Okay. So they record everything as now right? The pain body records it as now and the, the mind records the, the emotion of that thing. So when you have a trauma and it's too much for you and you shove it down, you shove it into the mind and the pain body into those dark places where it can be hidden. It's still there and it wants to get out. Your body wants to show it to you and your mind wants to give you the emotional attachment to that moment. That is their job to do. That's the, they don't think. They're not alive. Your body is alive only in as it, it serves your purpose. So it's not something that is sentient separate from you. The ego is that separateness of you. It is you. It's another aspect of you. So it's not separate as a separate entity from you. It is you, but it's operating as the devil's advocate. Do you understand? So it's operating as the, you know, doom and gloom devil's advocate where you, you're nothing. You could never amount to anything. Everyone's already doing that. What makes you think you're better than anyone else? You're no one because the ego needs to do that to drive you. That's the driving force. If there was no ego telling you that you suck, you would think you're the greatest thing known to the human kind. You wouldn't do anything. I am just great. I am Groot. I am great. 
Do you see? So the ego tells you you're not, and, and that forces you to to one up the ego. I'm going to show you. I'm going to be forceful and not be what you say I am. And that makes you then stand up and have courage and do something and go out of your box and to into to a strive. And then you're learning and you're ascending because of that. So you learn from that. You learn to to then uh, know when the ego is just being the ego and you're going, that's an egoic thought. I don't need to think that. And then the ego diminishes over time and you don't need it as much. You still need it. But as a reference point, again, a guideline more than a law. So you, you then need it uh, to as a reference point, just like we need the past, as a reference point to make better decisions going forward. And eventually you move to a place where you don't need that ego anymore because now you become an adult. Oops, I'm hitting the microphone again. Sorry. So now you've become an adult and you, you don't need that ego as much. Will the ego always be there? Yeah, I think so. I don't know if a time I hear a time, there's a time when the ego falls away and dies, but that's usually after we're out of this body and onto the fourth and still working on ourselves. And eventually we get there. I don't know when I haven't had that happen yet, but my ego is, is, can't be bruised. You know, if somebody says something to me and the ego goes, ah, and I go, shh, 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 shh. <laughs> right. Because I know that that's the ego being offended. And I go, shh, 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 shh. no, 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 no. No, you're not going to, we're not going to go there. You're not going to make me emotional. I'm not going to snap because they said something that bothered you. You're the ego. It's your job to be bothered by everything. <laughs> right. <laughs> and we'll see, we all have a lot of trauma, right? Kui says, yes, I know about that. I have a lot of trauma. We all do. And anyone Moreover, and this is part of the defensive against the dark arts part three that I should have named this. Moreover, if you're a light worker, if and especially if you're a wanderer or a walk-in, or you've come through as an indigo child or a star seed, or a, your vibration is much higher than the indigenous population to who are first baby born, first born souls here. Even though you came here and your mind wiped, your vibration is still at a higher level. In this three-dimensional body, that makes you a target, my friend. And what happens is the evil powers that are here target you when you're innocent and you're still in the veiled form and you don't realize who you are or your potential. And they try to ruin every aspect of your life, raping you, pillaging you, beating you, torturing you, everything that they can do to keep you from ever learning your full potential and remembering who you are and why you're here. So those of us who have come through on purpose to help people have about 200% more bad shit happen to us in our lives than the normal indigenous person who is just here for the first time because they're a baby soul or the second life or the third life or the fourth life. We're here because we've already graduated from here, went on to a higher plane and volunteered to come back here to help. Those of us who did that are going to have nothing but trauma, nothing but problems with our body because we vibrate at a level that doesn't is not conducive to this body. So it vibrates at a, at a level that doesn't work. So therefore, we don't feel right in our body. Our body doesn't work like other people's bodies does. We have all kinds of autoimmune problems and other people don't. We have uh, you know allergies and all these other people don't. What the hell? Why is it that it's just me that's sickly and I'm going through all this? And you'll find that everybody who does the same work you do is going through and has gone Gone through the same strife in some way or another, losing the same things of, of what you're doing. And, and it and it does happen, right? Denise said, no wanderer, I'm going through all this crap. Well, you you are going through all this crap, but there's a reason for you going through it. You either chose to take that on or 
you or you are being targeted and they're trying to kill you. Right. So and it's and it happens that it's some of both. And and it's without a doubt, whether you believe it or not, you you without a doubt, if you have so much stuff going on, you look around you and there's people that have never been sick and nobody you have like you know, half your family's never had cancer, what the hell, or whatever, you know that it's above and beyond. You know that somebody's tap dancing on your grave, right? The reason for that isn't just happenstance. It's not just I just happen to pull the shitty straw. No, no. It was designed in a plan somewhere. Either you designed it to take it on because you wanted to experience that, or it has to do with somebody trying to exploit a weakness within your DNA to try and kill you. And that's what it comes down to. Hold on a second. That's my brother. Let me really quickly got to tell him that I'm still on the air. So hold on one second. Okay, sorry about that. For those of you who heard dead air and didn't see me on the phone, because you're on the MP3 broadcast, my brother called on the house phone. So I picked it up, and it looks like my mother answered it too. So I said, hey, talk to mom for a while. I'll call you back when I get off air. He said, okay. So I don't know how long he's going to be on the phone with her. She'll probably come in here in a minute and try to give me the phone. She has Alzheimer's. I'm her caregiver. Okay, so, yeah, no wonder you're going through all that crap, right? <laughs> yeah, right? Because that's what is going on, right? Uh, unfortunately, but I still wonder why I or others would choose to take this on. Let me explain why. It's actually elementary. It's actually very, uh, very uh, elementary. The, 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 it has to do with the IQ test. The IQ test is based on the fact that no human being uh, psychologically uh, um, maturity level is above the age of 18. You can look that up. That's the truth. It's not me saying that. It's not made up. It's true. So everyone, according to the IQ test, is a child. You hover somewhere between 12 and 17 years of age, mentally, okay? What happens is when you ascend, when you graduate from here, you have to become an adult. In the minds of the powers that should not be in our society and our planet, if your maturity level is 18 years or above, you are a genius. You are considered a genius because you're an adult and your way of thinking is completely different than the way of the child thinking. So what happens is when you wake up, you realize that these people are artificially stuck here because, as as Kui uh, said, the powers that should not be took that away from us, the knowledge of our creation, the knowledge of who and what we as a human being are. They took it from the history books and tried to eradicate it. And the only reason we have it is because some people said, no, this needs to be kept. And they stole away some of the scrolls and buried them. And we have found those. And we are now passing those around to among us and we're reading. And we realize there's a higher purpose in the universe and that it's not just this mundane, I live once and there's only one life and that's it. There's something else. That's the knowledge that was gained in the Garden of Eden. The knowledge was what they gained. They gained the knowledge. And that knowledge made them smarter. And they understood more of what was going on. So because of that, we start to realize there's something else. Once you become the adult, I said this earlier, you're obligated by your knowledge to help the children. Because now you know the bully on the block is not allowing any of the kids 
to leave the block and he's not telling them why. And he's telling them they'll die if they go out there and they all believe it. and They're running home. You know that that's a lie. And you know that they'll never learn that because he's the bully on the block and none of them are old enough or big enough to, to stop him from doing it. But you are. Do you understand? So then you go over and you push the bully out of the way and you go, you're a liar. Get out of here, bully. Stop bullying people. And the bully's afraid of you because you're an adult. The bully's going to leave and you're going to say, children, come here. Look, I want to show you what's on the other side of the street. That man lied to you and you're not going to die if you go over here. Come on with me. And not all of them are going to come with you because some are going to believe that. One or two is going to believe you. You're the adult. They see that you're you're not evil and you're not being you're not trying to lead them astray. And they're going to trust you and they're going to come back and tell their friends that guy was lying and this is what's over there. And then eventually other people are going to start to believe that. But it takes the adult in the room to help the children. And what happens is once the children are stuck long enough, they start crying for their mom or their daddy. Help us. We're stuck. And what happens is souls that are above this plane hear that call. And those who are in service to others who would who would be willing to sacrifice their lives and their souls will then descend and become born here, <clears throat> knowing that they're going to be mind wiped and not remember why they came here in hopes that they their vibration and something they bring with them will allow them to wake up and remember who they are and why they're here so that they can then raise the vibration in some way of all the rest of the people here in hopes to do the same to the people that are here. So to answer your question, why in the hell do I have all this stuff happening to me? It's because you chose to come back here to help. That's why. And the price that you pay for that is all of this. Everything that happens to us. Everything that is above and beyond that is uh, strife that we have to deal with in this life is trying to distract us away from our mission and staying the course of trying to help raise the vibration of the world. And they want you focused on whatever it is that's mundane, that's dangerous to you. Brain tumor, cancer, heart problems, whatever it is, scare, scary, scary. I don't want to focus and I can't focus on spiritualism right now. My body's dying. Right? When you have to realize this body is just an avatar and it doesn't matter. Try to keep it alive. Fight for it. But at the same time, remember that you're a spiritual being. Don't get caught up in the now and forget that. As soon as you forget that, the more you succumb to your wounds because you are not concentrating on that there is a higher thing and a higher purpose. So this is why I say to you, you know, you're going in to uh, have surgery and I'm going to try and help you with all the love that I can give you and all of the energy that I can give you. If, if you know, if I can in any way make make your job your job and your life just a little teeny easier your recovery a little teeny easier if i can in some way say i helped do that then if all of us do that and we all focus on you how much easier is that going to be for you to transition do you see and then you get healthy and you go through it and you make it and you pull through it and you had to fight for it but you had friends and you had family and those of us out here who love you we never met you we i've never met you in person that i'm aware of <laughs> <laughs> right? But that doesn't mean I can't love you like I love myself because we are the same. Do you understand? So that's why I offered that and said, everybody else who can hear this, do the same because we love one another. And if we love the all and we love one another, we're all going to get out of here together. But we have to all pull our weight and we have to be patient and understanding with those people who don't get it yet. It's not their fault. 
Jesus said that when he was dying on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And he meant that. They had no idea what, that what they were doing was crucifying the Son of God. They had no imagination. They laughed and scoffed at him because of that. Do you see? So it's the same with, with Muhammad. They didn't know. So they don't, they don't know when it was, you know, Mahat and Gandhi. They didn't know. There was an evil man who shot Mahat and Gandhi because he needed to shut him up. Same thing with Stephen Biko. Only Nelson Mandela picked up Stephen Biko's reins. He didn't quit. He became what, what Stephen Biko was. And he finished and he became the president of South Africa and freed and stopped apartheid. I signed a petition when I was a, a hippie teenage kid at a U2 concert in Oakland, California, to, to put pressure on the American government, to put pressure on the South African government to end apartheid. And I like to think that myself and all of the people that were signing those petitions all over the world at that time, in some way made the government of the United States put pressure on the South African government and maybe the English government and the French government. And apartheid was ended because all of us in the world collectively said, Stop that and free those people. And it happened. They're still fighting for, the, to, for their freedom 100%. And the abolitionists that, that freed the slaves in America, and they, they put their lives on the line, and they said, free those slaves. We will, we'll go to war with you if we have to. And they did it, and we freed them, and we're still fighting for that freedom for African Americans and other races to this day. But they have those rights, and they're not 100%, and we still need to keep fighting for that. But we did it as a people, collectively. Do you understand? So you're either a person who wants them to be free or you're a person that wants them to be back enslaved. You're in service to others or in service to self. Do you understand? So, so we know that happened and it's over and it did happen, but now they have that freedom. There was a time women couldn't even vote for fuck's sake. To, for us now in the 2020 to think that just in the 60s, women didn't have a goddamn say in anything. And it took until the 1960s before women got the right to vote. That's so far beyond our belief system now that we could not even almost fathom that. That was 65 or 75 years ago now, right? That's insane. I was born in 1967. So I was born in a time when women were still fighting for their own rights. And now we would never think that they didn't have those rights. Same thing with, with freedoms. So time has changed and people have changed for the better is why I've rambled on about all of this. Because some people say it's worse now than it ever has been. No, it's not. If you look at it the way it is today, compared to the way it was in the 40s in this country, people were still enslaved, even though they were freed in the 1860s. Right? Are people still now? Yeah, but far less than the 60s, far less than the 30s, far less than the 1860s. Right? Women have a say. They didn't back then. They do now. So things have changed for a very positive way in our psyche as a race of people quickly. If you look at the 60s, for instance, and all the change that happened there, we talked about that in the, in the beginning of the show. That was a crazy time that we went from one way of life to a completely different way of life in a 10, 12-year time period. We did the same thing again right between 2010 and 2015, right around that 2012 mark, right? And we believe we're going to do it again now. Right. It's 2020. We're going into 20 or 2021. We're going into 2022. We're going to, we're, we're thinking that this is going to be another one of those jumps, hopefully prior to the third, the 2030s and hopefully prior to the 2040s or the 2050s. Some people think the change won't happen until the 2030s or the 2050s. I don't believe that. I believe we can make the change now today. 
right? And I think that that's what we're working towards. Unfortunately, we have this political uh, crap that went on where where they're shooting themselves in the foot. You know, do we need to get away from fossil fuels? Absolutely. They're, that's old, antiquated uh, that we were working on 150, 200 years ago. We need to get away from that stuff. But you can't just turn it off without having another system in place. And that's what they've done. They've turned it off with the hopes that in three to five to 10 or 15 years, we'll get the other operational. Well, what's going to happen in the meantime? You can't do that. You want to phase it out. You can't turn it off before you have the new phase. You got to say, look, here's the new stuff. It's already in place. And we and we and it's for it's affordable to everyone because right now it's not. If they say they made a law that all combustion engines had to be turned in tomorrow, the greater portion of the nation would not have a vehicle to drive. We wouldn't even have uh, buses, right, because they're not all energy efficient. They're, they run on diesel, a lot of them. Our entire fleet runs on diesel to pull all of our wares from the docks to the stores. So how can you turn that off without having something already in place? Having cars, well, we just manufactured cars. Yeah, they cost $75,000. How am I on a fixed income? I'm on Social Security. How am I going to afford an electric car? I'm not ever going to be affording an electric car on this budget. So unless you're giving everybody in the whole world a free electric car, we can't be on electric driving cars right now as a whole. We got to still be on gas guzzlers. So until you phase those out, which means you have to make the electric cars affordable for people who have a car that's only worth a thousand dollars or two thousand dollars, you're going to have to give me an electric car for the same price, or I can't buy one. So you're going to give me a seventy-five thousand dollar car because you want us all under electric cars. That's going to cost a lot of money. You can't just make that shit and have no money for it. Not as long as we have money. So you have to work within the bounds of the way things are going, but they're doing it back asswards. And they're just trying to, to chop off this portion and then go, but we have this one here. Well, we'll have it up and operational in 35 years. What do we do in the meantime? How do we get around? How do we eat? How do we do anything? Shut up now. Don't worry about that now. Don't worry about that now. Here's some more money. That's going to change. That can't happen. That's not going to do anything. Right? So I agree. We need to get off fossil fuels. The way they're trying to do it right now is mad. Crazy and mad as a hatter. Only a moron would think that that's the proper way of doing things. Really. I mean that somebody who, who, you know, you could talk to a child and say, listen, right. You have a skateboard, but we don't want skateboards anymore. Right. So what we want you to do is use roller blades. Do you know what those are? Well, yeah, yeah, I do, but I don't know how to use those too bad. Well, the skateboard cost me $12. The roller blades cost $350 kid. You're seven. You can afford that. You have to turn in your skateboard and you have to get these. Well, where, how am I going to get those? Never mind that now. Never mind that now. Just do what I tell you to do and go to work, by the way. You're seven. You're supposed to be working now. Why aren't you at work? Do you understand? You can't take away the skateboard and tell the kid he needs a $350 pair of shoes with wheels on the bottom of them when he's no way he could possibly generate that money. That's just asinine. A child knows that. So let's just uh, stop uh, making fossil fuel in America and go back to getting it from people who hate our guts. And now they're charging us $150 a barrel for the oil. And we're saying, please, please increase uh, uh, your, your amount of oil so that I can buy oil cheaper. And they're going, why would I do that? Your dumbass turned off your, your oil. If you turn it back on in any second, you don't need me anymore. So while you need me, it's $160 a gallon, please. And that's where it's going to stay. What moron thought that was a good idea? Oh, yeah. POTUS. Just saying. 
Yeah, right. Okay. And then here's a little fact that they don't want you to think about. It, Kevin's talking about the energy needed to make them is causing more pollution than the gas guzzling cars. Never mind that now, Kevin. Don't look here. Don't look there, Kevin. Don't look. Oh, here's some money, Kevin. <laughs> here's some money. Go to the movies. Oh, but you got to be COVID tested before you can get in. Show them your papers. Uh, we need to see your papers. Your papers are not in order. Here, you do not have a a a pending uh, uh, jab in the arm. You cannot come here. You cannot eat food. In fact, execute this man. When will that start? Lock him up. Oh, but we're not locking away people. We're only locking away people that shouldn't be in jail, and we're letting people out. So if that's the case and I get put in jail, the first thing I'm going to do is, unfortunately, I'm going to murder some poor son of a bitch who's next to me uh, because then they're going to let me out. <laughs> if I'm in there because I'm a political dissident, you get to sit in solitary confinement for 10 hours out of every day or, or 24 out of 25 hours. You don't get to see anybody. You murdered someone? Oh, well, shit, dude, here's the door. Have a nice day. Hell, you killed somebody? Go back out on the streets can't have you in prison. You didn't do anything wrong. I agree with what you're doing. I don't agree with what that guy's talking about. So he gets locked up. So if they put him, they're going to put me in jail. I'm going to murder somebody. So they'll let me out. So what I'll do is I'll pick one of the guys who I know is in service to self and murder that son bitch. Right. <laughs> right? So yeah. No, it won't happen then. They won't, they, you know, because the truth is, um, the truth is that the cooler heads prevail, and that's what's happening now. Uh, buyer of remorse is starting to happen in most countries, especially here in America. And people are starting to realize that, you know, they thought it was funny because it wasn't the orange guy because they believed to what they were being brainwashed and and uh, Jedi mind tricked into believing that he was evil uh, and the devil. And then now that it's hurting Americans' pocketbooks, they're looking around going, well, wait a minute. Why is this this way? Well, what if we just turn the gas pipe blank back on? Will we have cheaper gas? Shut up. Shut up. Don't listen to me. Don't listen to that. They don't want you knowing that. So they tell you to be quiet and they call you a racist because you're questioning their ideology. Therefore, you're automatically a racist. Inmates running the asylum, right? Well, I mean, and that's that's a theory that people have that if we're a penal colony, you know, the, the people that are in charge of the penal colony are the inmates because they're crazy. Well, in a sense, that is what's happening, but it's not because this is a prison a penal colony. It is a prison. It's a prison for children. It's a playpen. And you're in it. And your parents have set you in it. And you have to learn how to stand up for your own self, figure out how to get stronger and pick yourself up and climb over the damn little railing and fall to the floor. And then learn how to walk or learn how to crawl so you can learn how to walk, so you can learn how to run, so you can then learn what it means to be a person. So this place that we're in is a prison for children. And if you are more than a child, you will then be able to graduate from here. So you see, so the key is knowledge. The door is what Christ was trying to show us. Mohammed was trying to show us. Ra was trying to show us. Moses was trying to show us. Elijah was trying to show us. Daniel was trying to show us. David was trying to show us. All of these prophets were trying to show us the same door. The key is knowledge. Knowledge is key to the universe. So knowledge and questioning and learning is the key that makes you wise. Your wisdom makes you an adult. As an adult, you can then see the door. You see past the trees and find the forest. You see past the playpen skirting and you see the world that's out there that you want to get to. But you have to ascend to understand your surroundings, 
look within yourself and find that within you that that can adapt to this. Learn from it and what it is and take that key and look for a door that this key fits into. Where's that door? I'm going to try this in every damn lock till I find the right door. Where did I find this key? Are there clues to the key, the type of key that it is? What is this key? This key is knowledge. So the door must also be knowledge-based, not a physical door. Do you understand? So as you ascend, you start to realize those things become simple to you to figure out because you're now a genius in the minds of the IQ test because you can simple you can figure out simple equations. You're now a genius. So once you can find and figure out those simple equations, it becomes very, very easy for you to find the door to escape and the, re and the route to take. So then because of that, and it becomes so easy, you know that you can escape every time. You just have to remember. So coming back here doesn't become a hard thing for you because you've been through it before. You know how to get out of it. You just have to figure out this particular panic room. Do you understand? because you may not have gone through it as a human on this planet. So it might be slightly different, but you understand the concept. So it's easier for you to escape. You can't stay locked in an easily escapable room when you're smarter than the guards. And that's what happens, right? Could you explain the service to self and what exactly, uh, how that plays out? Yes. And then uh, you said, but I want to, uh, but now I want to use my knowledge to do good. Yes, you, that's you're obligated to do that. Okay, so uh, explaining a service to uh, um, self and what exactly, how that plays out. When you choose, and this is what you're supposed to do here as a soul, you choose here in this place, whether you're in service to others or whether you're in service to self. And if you're in service to others, that means that you want to help people. That means that you're a nice person. You're a likable person. You do, don't do bad things. You're not evil or mean to people or nasty to people. You're not trying to take advantage of people. You're trying to help. And your instinct is to help people. Okay. So how that plays out, if you choose that route, then that's what you project to the universe. Uh, that you're that type of person. So that's what you start doing. Then you you care for other people. If you see someone that is a uh, car wrecked on the side of the road, you ascertain quickly, is that person an evil person? Is this a trap? Or do they really need help? And you'll be more, um, tend to uh, pull over to see if they're okay. Right? To, and, and even if you're scared, you might be scared, you might not want to pull over. So you call someone, hey, there's a car on the side of the road. They look like they could need some help. Please send help. Then they'll send the authorities to go and check on them because you're afraid. I don't know. This could be a trap. I just don't feel comfortable stopping. I'm a female. I'm alone. It's nighttime. I'm not going to get in, put myself into a bad situation. They, but you still want to help them. So you're still calling somebody. You're going, I don't know if this means anything, but this person's broke down and they could use some help. And I was afraid to pull over. They're going to send somebody to help. You've helped that person. Or you pull over and you, and, and you, and you help them in some way. That happens in every aspect of your life from that point on when you make that the choice and that decision. You constantly tend to want to help other people. And if you're in service to self, it's the opposite. You want to take advantage of people. You want to uh, control them. You want power over them. Uh, you want sexual power over them. You want to, uh, you know, uh, you want to sexually abuse them. You want to physically abuse them. You want to mentally abuse them. Maybe just one of those three, maybe all of them. You, you, uh, you know, you're, uh, everything is about you, my pleasure, what I can get out of you. Don't give a shit whether you live or die. You're just here to please me. That is a person who is in service to self. They're evil. They're very egoic. They're all about themselves, full of themselves. I am beautiful. You're nothing. I am God's gift. You're a puke, right? You're lucky to be even near me. 
You should worship me like a god because I take care of you. That mindset is in service to self. That's an evil person self-serving. So the other way around, I, I would assume because you want to do good. So that means that you're in service to others. Uh, so even if you're not a wanderer, even if you're not, we, we're supposed to choose that in the third dimension. That's where you, as a soul, you choose your path, your life path, either good or evil from here on. And that stays that way until you get halfway through the sixth, the, the, the sixth density. And then that's purgatory. That's hell. If you chose the negative way, you're as far away from the light as you possibly can get. And that's as far as you get to go. They hate to hear it, but that's as far as you get to go. Until you change your mind, then you can start ascending further on the sixth until you get to the seventh and the eighth and on from there. So once you choose something, it becomes most people come here, they already know what they're going to be because you've been here a few times. Or if you're coming back as a wanderer, you already made that choice long ago. You're not going to change your mind when you get here because, hey, I can do it if I want, unless you unless you haven't done it. And you feel like you want to be evil. You can. Right. Because it all services the all. There is no right and wrong on a higher level. It's all the same because you're you, even if you do evil deeds, you're you're doing that. So those people go through those things and other people witness those things and they see the bad example. They see what's wrong in the world and you become the evil so that they can say that they're good because they're the opposite of you. So the example that you set shows them the example that they need to set if they're good people. Or I need to be just as evil as dad because dad's fucking evil, man, and I'm going to be just as bad as him. And if that's the case, that's just the path that you choose. And eventually you have to turn that around. Those of us who are on this side of things, on this side of the coin, we understand that. We know that. And you can't tell evil that. They don't believe you. They believe that their God is, is the devil and that he's equal to God and he sits on a throne just as equal to God in their minds because they're egoic driven. They secretly believe that their God is actually above the good God. Do you see? And they project that because they hope that one day that will happen and it just doesn't because that's not the way the universe was created. Correct. <laughs> we said, wow, okay, then I don't think I have anything to worry about. I'm on the service to, to uh, 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 you're, you're not on the service to self-path. You're on the service to others' path. He says, I have uh, I have to worry. I'm on a service to self-path then. If you are, yeah, I don't think I am. So I don't think I have to worry. Uh, then you're on a service to others' path. If you're on a service to self-path, you do have to worry, right? Um, because eventually you're not going to be able to. I mean, you can truthfully be on a service to self-path and it doesn't matter ultimately in the end, but you will still have to become the victim that everything that you put on people as evil will happen to you uh, when you when you change back to the good side. So you reap what you sow. Do you understand? That's why uh, Jesus said he was without a sin, cast the first stone. And that uh, you can't you can't um, uh, have this thought about somebody being evil without um, you being evil in some way because they're a reflection of you. So to judge someone, that's where it's judged, not lest you be judged, to judge someone as evil, you have to you have to invent that in your mind. So for you to look at somebody and say that person is evil because you you make that up in your mind. So now you you have created you as that evil that you see in them. Do you understand? That's why I don't ponder that. If someone's evil, I go, that's your choice. You can do whatever it is that you want to do. And that, that doesn't mean that I'm taking a part of that in any way because I'm not projecting myself as that. Do you understand? Uh, 
Rice is nope. Dad showed me how not to behave. He was possessed by demons. Well, okay, so then you have my grandfather was that way. My father's father, he was you know instant uh, you know uh, insert alcohol, instant asshole. He'd start drinking, and the beatings will now commence, and he'd beat everybody up. Um, so he was not a good man, but he understands now. So yeah, if you're going down that same road, just know that your your behavior will be rewarded. But there's always going to be somebody who's going to be eviler to you and treat you like shit. Uh, because they're more evil unless you become the most evil, hideous thing like Genghis Khan on the face of the of the universe. Uh, and that's the only way that you're going to be, you know, anywhere near the top dog. But each time you move up the run, say you do that here, like Genghis Khan, for instance, is is now moved up into the evil fourth dimension uh, on the evil side. And he's a lowly patent clerk in an office. Lowly patent clerk in an office. So he was the most evil being in our history, and he's just a patent clerk now. That's how he, to the bottom of the run of the next level, he goes. <laughs> right? To the bottom of the run. So if you're going to be evil, you better be really fucking evil, or you're just going to end up on the bottom run uh, at the bottom of the evil, next level evil, and you're going to have to go through all that evil to become the great evil. And then when you ascend to the next one, you go drop to the bottom again because there's seniority. So you have to constantly keep doing it on the good side. None of that's important because you just are. So it doesn't matter where you fit in because everyone is the same. So when I ascend to the fourth, I'm not going to be on the bottom level of the fourth. And even if I am, that's just because I'm learning what the fourth means. It doesn't mean that there's going to be people uh, on a pecking order that's going to be attacking me and, 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 you know, raping and pillaging me for fun. That happens here. After that, it's, you're further separated uh, from, from the evils and the evils further separated from us, right? So, yeah, I'm on the service to others path. I don't have those hardcore ego, right, egoisms like my dad did. Good for you then. Uh, and see, that, and in, in, in some way, I think that his evil helped create you not wanting to be that way. That's the way it was with my father. My father saw his father and did not want to be his father. And so he tried to be everything opposite of, of my father. And he made it mostly. He still had a temper. So from that, us kids uh, took from my father that we didn't want to be with that problem with being very hands-onsy uh, and, you know, being hard with the stick. Uh, and, and, but we also looked at those things that my father was, uh, you know, he wasn't a bad man in any other way. It's just that he would, you know, he would tend to grab the belt and corporal punishment, but that was the way of the people. He was born in 1927. Right. So that was the way that the things were. It was corporal punishment back then all the way up through the 60s uh, here in the United States. I remember as a kid, I got in trouble at school and the principal whipped my hands with a ruler until they were uh, freaking swollen um, because I was throwing rocks at the girls. And the truth of it psychologically was I was throwing rocks at the girls because I was a little boy and I was attracted to the little girls. We know that now and through psychology that you don't beat a kid for that. You, you, you talk to them and, and you, you can't really explain it to them, but it's because little boys are starting to become attracted to little girls at a younger age. And, and they realize there's a difference between the sexes and they start taking an interest. And so they do stupid shit to try and get their attention. Throwing rocks is one of them. Right. And the women are like, ah, run away. And the guys think it's funny. So they throw rocks more, but they're just trying to get the attention of the girl. But they, but the adults weren't awake enough to realize that. And so I'm being punished through corporal punishment for something that is natural in the human psyche. We know that now, but we didn't back then. Right. Oof, corporal punishment, Melissa says. Right. <laughs> so, right. So my mother, she says, and Melissa says, same. My mother is uh, very self-serving, uh, um, you know, uh, veiling under motherhood. So. 
so right and so that that's uh you'll find that members of your family your household could be completely different and it but they're there uh, for us to learn from so sometimes us being the victim of someone who is in service to self uh is being done you know uh to us for us to learn uh, to become the opposite. And that happens a lot. And other times you just fall into the same pattern as your parents and you, and you do the same things. Right. So that's just determined by whether or not you chose that when you came through, because you could have already decided you wanted to be evil before you got here. So you chose evil parents to make sure they reinstilled all that evilness in you and made it even worse by victimizing you and doing you that and sodomizing you and, and, and raping you. And then you go on to do the same thing to people behind you. That's very possible as well. But the but that I don't think it's a I don't think it's a natural dynamic of the human soul. I honestly believe that inherently the human soul in the creation is created as a good soul, and out of necessity, some people have, were chosen uh, to uh, become evil. I don't believe that you didn't have a choice, even though there's some scriptures that say uh, that because of your sun sign that you have, uh, it gives you no choice and that you are ruled by that. But then in the same book, it says those who who can overcome that basic programming uh, are the the ones who can escape the the uh, the trap. So the trap there is is twofold or more. So not only are you mind wiped, but you are also governed by uh, an astrological sign that is, has variables that change depending on the day, the time, the place, uh, the country of origin in your DNA that you're born with uh, determines the uh, uh, what it is that you have as a head start. I believe that because I think we program all of that into uh, who we are in all aspects. So I think that happens prior to. So I think that, the, and, and the, you know, we know that the immortal soul is neither male nor female. So I would then tend to suggest it's neither good nor evil as well, that, that we just are. We associate with the avatar we come through as. And even then, some of us are not. Right. Some of us come through uh, and we're, we're seeing things that are different and they're claiming that it's a problem. Right. That people who are born in a man's body, but they're actually a female or people that are born into a female body. They're actually a man. And some people that are born that uh, feel more and androgynous, more male and female. Um, I have those tendencies. I am I am bisexual. I have those tendencies. Some days I feel very feminine and I want to be feminine. And other days I feel very masculine and I want to be masculine. I like both sexes, right? Identically. And I like, I like the blending of the both sexes, right? So I like that whole thing. And a lot of people go, oh man, really? Woo, okay. I'm out of here now, bro. And that's okay. But that that's just the way people are, right? So I appear like this and people go, oh, he's got to be like a manly man, right? But if you knew me, you would know that I'm not. There are times where I have that tendency, but there's other times when I don't, right? I look at both sexes and go, mm-hmm, that's good looking right there, right? And some people get all tripped out about that. So if you guys hate me for it, that's, you know, whatever, <laughs> right? So I always thought that my parents bought the wrong baby home or brought the wrong baby home. So I'm different in many ways. But see, that's that is is probably the exact reason that you had those parents was so that you would have that experience and that would give you the this is what not to be right portion of things um right julie said me too of i'm i'm uh running joke of sorts with my aunt my aunt my auntie um that she's really my mom uh <laughs> i'm more like her than uh, my so-called mom and who knows maybe you might find out down the road that she was actually your mom i knew a guy 
who uh, was born into a family and his mom and dad adopted him, but he was not um, their child. But there was rumor that he was part of the family. So he was someone else's child who got pregnant and they kept the child and didn't put it up for adoption and had one of the relatives adopt him. And he didn't know who his actual parents were, and but it was known or it was whispered that his parents were someone that were in his family. But he didn't know who. So they don't know if like one of the young boys had sex with an aunt uh, and she got pregnant. One of the men had sex with a daughter and she got pregnant. They, they, he doesn't know the answer to that, uh, that I'm aware of at the time that I knew him. I knew him until I was 12. And then we moved away from each other and I haven't seen since. So he may now have never worried about that or he may now have figured out who it was in his family that was his mom and dad. Uh, but it was rumored that he, I mean, he looked like the family. So it was rumored that he was somebody's kid within the family and for some reason um, these guys who couldn't have children uh, someone had a child for them and uh, they he was being raised by them as their mom and dad but they adopted him but he was actually part of the family somewhere uh, so I don't know what the dynamic is and why that happened and and I can only imagine the different scenarios that we could come up with uh, you know because he did look like his cousins a lot <laughs> he was definitely related <clears throat> so who knows, right? We uh, everything that happens to us. I don't. I don't look like my brothers and sisters. I'm a throwback genetically. Uh, most of my family's very blended looking. We look very Hispanic. I had the red hair and the freckles. I'm the recessive gene. My mother had the red hair and the freckles. On my dad's uh, uh, group of people, my uh, my uncle Leroy had the red hair and the freckles. And then uh, you know, so on my on my father's side, it was one person per generation. Right. And so it was my uncle Leroy. And before him, it was his his father, my grandfather. So my father, my grandfather, Frank, on my dad's side, he had the red hair and the freckles. And then Leroy did on, in that generation. And my my father didn't. And neither did the other brother or the other sister, my aunt. They they looked uh, like my father. Right. But Leroy was the one that looked like he could have been someone else's kid. And so people used to laugh and say that my mom and Leroy got together. But I have my father's mannerisms and my father's way and my and my father's looks. And I'm taller, whereas my uncle Leroy is like five, seven, five, six. He's a little guy where everybody else in the family is tall. I'm six foot one, which is kind of short because everybody else was between six, three and six, five. But my mother's father was five, seven as well. Right. So so there was a, the, the, the smaller people on both sides of the family. But I ended up being taller. My father was six foot one and I ended up being six foot one. But I have the red hair and freckles. And you can see Frank, my grandfather, in me. And you can see my mother definitely in me. Uh, so I look like them almost. And my mother never met Frank. He died in 1954. Uh, so my mother, I was born in 67. My mom never knew him. So it could have been like Frank impregnated my mom was what I'm saying and got me. Uh, and my, and I, I would be too short. I would have to be shorter if I was Leroy's kid. <laughs> right? So uh, and he wasn't around then. So we're pretty sure because I look like my brother and he looks just like my father. Uh, but they're darker skinned a little bit. I have the pale skin, the freckles. Right? So we come in the way we come in, right? 
So I, I'm like that too, but not sexually. It's more like I'm balanced by feminine and masculine. And that's fine too, right? That's good. That's where we should really be. It doesn't matter if you're attracted sexually to either side or both. Uh, you, but if you know both aspects of you, you're, you're, you're more androgynous and that you're going to, you're going to move faster towards ascension by accepting that in yourself, that, that you, because that's what we're supposed to do. Even though we're separate, we still need to learn both aspects of ourselves. And that's the shadow work that we do. We, because we are all encompassing. So just because I'm in a masculine body doesn't necessarily mean my soul has to be masculine because it's not, that's just what role I'm playing in this avatar. So we don't have to get caught up in the role play, but if we enjoy that, right, you enjoy, if you're masculine and you're a man and you enjoy uh, having sex with a woman, there's nothing wrong with that. Do it by all means. The other way around as well. I'm just saying that it's that psychologically, it's okay to be both and to have that balance because that is where we're supposed to find ourselves. And we're not supposed to be the violent warrior all the time, but we're also not supposed to be the nurture mother figure all the time either. We're supposed to have that balance between the two. Only through that can we be be loving enough to forgive. Do you understand? But we also have to be strong enough to fight for it when need be. So you have to have both. You have to have the warrior, but you have to have the nurturer at the same time. And the nurturer can be a man just as well as it can be a, fem a female. But the female nurturer is a better nurturer by nature than the male nurturer. And the male is, is by nature a better warrior than the female. Not saying the female can't be a warrior. They can be very good warriors. They can be great warriors, just like men. But they have to then embrace the masculine to get there. Do you understand? Men can be nurturers, but they have to then embrace the feminine to get there. You can't be a warrior and a nurturer at the same time. You can't be a nurturer and a warrior. You can be both at separate times, but you have to have both aspects within you and balance that. See? So he, he says, I'm a guy, right? I, I started, uh, oh, that, but you jumped up. <laughs> I was starting to read what you're saying and you said something else. Uh, I'm a guy. My feminine energy is stronger than masculine you believe that, that so so you're saying that I think that, oh I don't know uh, you, you know, I'm saying what I'm saying to you is that you're okay you can be both so you have to make that decision to whether you believe that your masculine or feminine energy is stronger and when because you can raise your feminine uh, energy to be the nurturer as a man uh, and and still be a man doing that you just can't be as um, good as a feminine uh, nurturer unless you become very feminine. Do you understand? Then you have to give up the masculine to do that. If you have the balance of the two, you can become each one. But to become one, you have to diminish the other and raise this up. And then to do the other, you have to do the same. And you have to diminish the masculine to become the feminine. You can't be both when you are. You're in the center. So you're neither. You're not neither. You're, you're neither 100%. You're only 50% of each. Do you see? But you can, when you need to at will, you can raise from one to the other. And that's the place we need to be because we come from a place of balance where we can become what we need to. We can be the nurturer if we need it, or we can be the warrior if we need it. So that balance in the middle is, a, is where we should reside at all times, unless we want to just be the nurturer. That's why when you see like gay guys, they go out of their way to be feminine because they're in a masculine body and they don't feel that way. So they, so they go out of their way to become overcompensating as the feminine. And that's why you have those guys that are really gay and they're really flippant. Then you have the other gay guys who seem more masculine because they are. 
doesn't mean that they're um, not gay. It just means that they're the more masculine dominant figure in that equation. Same thing with women. You're going to find one's going to be the dominant, even though they're, they like women. There's still going to be one that's going to be more masculine, one that's more feminine, one that's more a nurturer and one that's more a warrior. And, and that is as much as they can go. I have a niece who, who is in body a female, but everywhere else she's a guy. She's more masculine sometimes than I am. Right. And that's just who she is. I, I introduced her to friends and they didn't realize she was wearing a, a, a button up shirt and a hat, you know, wearing the hat all like this, like a gangster. And uh, we were at a barbecue and it got hot. She took her shirt off and she has really big boobs. <laughs> She's wearing a bra, a sports bra and a tank top over the top of that. And I remember the look on their faces because they thought she was a guy. This whole time they thought she was a guy and she takes off her shirt and it's hot. So she takes off her shirt and she's got these really big boobs. And the look, the two of them are like, whoa. And they looked at each other like, oh my God, that's a woman. And, and, you know, and she went to go do something and they were like, I did not know that was not a guy. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's my niece. And they're like, oh my God. And I'm like, they're all, not that it is bad. It's just all, it's weird to think someone's a guy for two hours and then they take off their shirt and you realize they're a woman. <laughs> I said, I, I guess that's weird, right? Because you had an assumption in your head. And so the story in your head was this was a young dude who was in his early 20s. And it turned out it was a young girl in her 20s who was gay, right? And so she associates more with a man than she does a, a woman. And I don't even call, I call her a bro, dude. I don't say anything about her feminine because she's the man in the equation. She's married to a beautiful woman who is the feminine. Right. And she's the masculine. So she's the guy in the equation. Right. Even though she has a female body, she's the man in that in that uh, relationship. And, and her wife is the woman. So, you know, that's just, that's where they fit. And that's how we all have to find that place. And that's the smart thing uh, for all of us to do is find where we fit and what situation wants us to be what and be OK with doing that. You know, if you're born a man, most people get that macho, I have to be a man, manly man, manly man, manly man, manly man, all the time. And then they overcompensate for that. And then other people who, who know that they're in touch with their feminine are going, are they overcompensating because they're actually gay and they're trying to pretend they're not because they're hiding? Or are they afraid? <laughs> and usually being afraid means that you have those tendencies. You're trying to overcompensate for that. And you know that once you get to that point, right? So I've had gay people say, everybody's gay. They just don't know it. I'm like, that's not true. It's just not true. Everybody's not gay and they just don't know it. It's just not true, bro. You think that because you're gay. I'm not gay. I'm bisexual, but I'm not gay. There's a difference. I like men and women. If I just like men and I was in a man's body, then I'm gay. <laughs> right? But I don't associate with just liking men. I like women. I like women more than I like men. I like their bodies more than I like men's bodies. Right? I do, but I still like the penis. Don't ask me why. Right? I like I like a, a, a you know a, a transsexual woman who still has a penis more than I like the man because men are dicks. <laughs> right? So so I like the feminine more than I like the masculine, but I still like the masculine physique and the in the but I don't like the the attitude of of the masculine man, right? So if, if the man's more a little bit more feminine, but he's in a masculine body, I'm okay with that. It's the it's the masculinity that that I don't like as much as I do the femininity. But in me, I'll I can be whatever, right? So I don't judge people. That's my point. <laughs> right? I just do. I just do what I do, right? So and but we need to we need to get to that point where we can spiritually accept 
you know, easily like everything that I just said to you, if in any way that offended anyone who's here, you guys might turn me off and not listen to me again because of that uh, uh, ideology. And if that's the case, then that's a, that's your issue. That's an issue you have. Do you see? So I don't judge anybody. Uh, I don't openly talk about that a lot, but I, I do sometimes and do it here and I don't care because I'm open with my family. They all know. Right. So my friends do too. So it's not like someone goes, what you, what, what? I was naked in the shower with this guy when we were in the 12th grade. Wonder what he was thinking. You know, at that time I didn't know what was going on. I was hiding. Right. When I was make have to change clothes with all the guys in the, in the class, I was hiding. I was, I was not that guy who wanted to get naked in front of everybody. I was that guy that was very self-conscious about that and wanted to change my clothes as fast as possible or wait until everybody was gone. It wasn't until I got older to where I went, I don't give a fuck. No, I don't care. By the time I was 18, I didn't care. Right. Before that, I was like, Ooh, man, I don't like doing this. Right. I'm not comfortable with this. And then by the time I was 18, I didn't give a shit who saw me naked. I'd walk around, you know, take off my clothes, get in the shower and women would be in there. What's up? Yeah, hey, how's it going? Whatever. I didn't care. Right. Now I don't either. People are like, whoa, whoa, put on some clothes. <laughs> People don't want to see that. No one wants to see that. Put on some clothes. Right. I was in the hospital and yeah, they have the gowns on and the gowns are always open in the back. I got up and was walking around. My ass is hanging out. And everyone was like, oh, sir, we need to have you close the back of that. I'm like, well, if you don't like what's back there, don't look at it. You guys are the ones that has me taken off all my clothes and put me in a half gown. If you guys didn't want to see my ass, you should have gave me a gown that ties on the back or the front that hides that. But you guys don't give anyone a gown that big to do that. So what do you expect you're going to see if I, my ass is walking down the hall? You're going to see my ass and maybe my balls banging around underneath. <laughs> You guys designed this. You could have gave me PJs, but you don't. You give us a gown that's only half, and then we got to try and reach around behind ourselves and tie the damn thing, and you never give us one big enough that ties completely shut. And then you complain because my ass is hanging out. That's like telling someone, take off all your clothes and be naked, and then going, why are you naked? Because you told me to be naked. Well, here, we give you this gown, right? You were given the gown that's only hiding the front of me. And then when everybody sees the back of me, you go, uh, sir, what, didn't you tell me I need to get up and start walking? Well, yeah. Well, then why didn't you say, put on some pants before you do it, get dressed? You didn't say that. <laughs> well, you're right. You're right. So then they give you another gown that you put on backwards and ties in the front now so that no one sees your ass. All you had to do is make these to where they don't have our ass hanging out and give us full fucking blankets to wrap around ourselves. And guess what? problem solved but no you guys give us that half-assed gown that has to tie in the back because you want us naked why not quite sure why right we don't want anything constricting your well then give me another gown or make these bigger <laughs> otherwise you're gonna see my ass and i don't care <laughs> right so i don't know it's so true though right Right, Denise, you know what I'm talking about. That's true. They give you this gown. They never give you one that wraps all the way around you. They always give you one that can tie. So your ass is hanging out. So everybody's going to see your ass as soon as you get up. Why do they do that? So that you can run to the toilet and not have to worry about shitting on stuff? Maybe. But they used to give a flap for that in long john underwear where you just untied it and the flap fell down and your ass would hang out. So you could go pee if you're a woman or, or a guy. You could sit on the toilet and go pee and poop at the same time. And then you put the flap back up after you wiped your butt and cleaned yourself off. And you tied the flap up. Nope. They got rid of all that together because they were what? Trying to be cheap. Now they got to chase you around with your ass hanging out for the last 200 years wondering why your ass is hanging out. Will you give me a garment that lets my ass hang out <laughs> and encourage me to get up and walk around? 
but don't tell me to put on something before I do it. You guys have my clothes. Give me my goddamn underwear. No one will see my ass. <laughs> Christ, what the hell's going on here? Here, we're going to have you go into surgery, but we want you to be naked. Oh, and then after that, we're not going to let you get dressed, but we're going to give you a half a fucking blanket. What the hell? My ass is cold. Yeah, there is no modesty in a hospital. You can't have any modesty in a hospital, right? So you got to get over that shit real quick if you go in there. But then, they, but that's so funny is because they'll chase you around. And I think if you're a hot chick, the guys aren't going to chase you around and go, oh, ma'am, you need to cover that up because they're like, did you see that ass? So if I was a guy who was a football player and had a football playing ass, I'll bet if I was walking around, the nurses wouldn't tell me to cover it up because they want to see that ass. But when you're a fat guy and you have a fat ass, they're like, come, somebody cover that shit the fuck up quick. Sir, we can't have you walking as a water buffalo without ass, okay? No one wants to see that. Oh, but if I had a Superman ass, would you guys stop me going down the hall? Well, you know what? You don't, so let's just don't go there. Put on some fucking clothes, you fat pig. That's what they're saying. <laughs> That's what they're saying to you, right? If, if you're a hot-ass body, I'll bet you they're going to go, did you see that dude's ass? Maybe we should know. Let's just watch. Nurses are human. Guy or girl, they're human. Right. So they got, but if there's a water buffalo walking down the street, they're going to for sure cover that shit up. No, oh, oh, no one wants to see that crack. Oh my God. That makes the Grand Canyon look small. Ah, okay. Right. Last question. That's good. He says, let me put it up there on the screen. I think it's a he. I don't know that you're a he or a girl. We haven't made that. Oh, you said you're a guy, right? You associate with that. The last question What do you think of, of Kundalini? Aha. Kundalini energy is is the the introduction to the three six and nine and the and that energy. It's introduction to the to the um, uh, the golden mean ratio to perfection. Okay, um, all energy flows, and people they they tend to to think your energy comes in through your head, but it's not. Your energy comes in from your feet always the base root of your body and the in the kundalini is the advanced energy forms of a person who is is graduating from uh, childhood to at the very least adolescence and then uh, if you achieve the full kundalini effect where that energy then uh, winds its way through your chakra points around your spinal column up your body and into your head and above that crown chakra, then you become. That is the pneuma. That is the spark of you becoming. And that's what we are being here. We are a human being. Means you are being. You are you are being something. You are becoming. And the kundalini energy, once you're able to tap into the kundalini, you have left your childhood and you are aware of your chakras, and you're aware of energy and how that energy flows through the universe. And that is the, the that energy traversing your body is your essence and your spiritual growth. And when that kundalini energy finally manifests itself in uh, the crown chakra, which is above, which is your third eye, which is your soul, that is your graduation from adolescence to young adulthood. So the Kundalini is a very, very important step in our understanding. And to understand that, you have to understand the Orberus. And once you understand the Orberus and the effects of what the Orberus is, that's the beginning key knowledge to the Kundalini. And so you have to understand that energy uh, and what that serpent represents. 
the 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 serpent energy and what that represents as it comes through you. So that's the the greatest question, and we will end on this question because that was the perfect last question for us to get to. And I like how you did that. I think you did it on purpose. You even framed it. A last question, right? And not the last question, but a last question. And and I'm going to use it as the last question for the session because I came on at four and it's now 718. So we're two hours and 18, 20 minutes in. So it's a perfect segue is what I'm saying. It's a perfect question. So you, uh, as a soul, you think, therefore I am, you become a baby soul. You are still becoming you are not being yet. You only start being when you understand that I am more than this avatar. And the key to that is then you start realizing there is energy and you start discovering different things about yourself and you start to, to unravel the mysteries of the human body. And that leads you to unraveling the mysteries of the chakra points. And that wisdom then allows you to start uh, of fixing certain aspects of yourself by adding and subtracting energy from these points and changing that energy. And once you start doing that, that gains you a knowledge that is the correlation of the serpent energy. And you start to understand the orborus and what that inter what that means and what that interpretation of energy becomes and that it becomes the Kundalini. And when you understand what that word means and what that energy represents in you, you are now a teenager and you are now getting to that 18 years of age. And once you punch through that, that place is when you become the adult, you become the genius, you become the pneuma, you're becoming, and then you are, and that is the is the driving force and factor of your ascension, is that uh, uh, kundalini energy. And to understand that, me saying it doesn't do it justice. For those of you out there who understand the kundalini energy, everything I'm saying is basic, and you know that. So I can't enlighten you enough to the kundalini energy if you have no concept of what it is. So that's one of those things where we talk about high magic. That's the magic with a K, right? That's where you have transcended adolescence and you are now moving into your adulthood. And um, that is the beginning of you being human for the first time. And then you start from there, you immediately transfer into understanding and knowing that there's a higher self and that higher self, the Kundalini will help you reach that higher self and make contact with yourself on a higher plane than you can imagine. And that is when you become and know that you're immortal. And that is when you realize you are the one. And that's because now you're a genius and the, uh, the, uh, uh, limitations of what was are now gone from you and you now uh, realize infinity and the unlimited spaces. That's when you've, when you've mastered the three, the six and the nine, again, the spiral, the Kundalini, the three, the six and the nine and the 12 energy. That is the controlling energy that gets you into the one. And that's when the Kundalini energy comes up through you and you become the Taurus yourself that you are and you become the one. So you become the zero point and through the zero point, you find the true creation of the universe and you ascend past this reality into the next. And that's the Kundalini. And only through the Kundalini can you achieve that.
So you should look into that. But it, you, it takes a lot of, of practice looking into yourself to even get to the point where you understand the chakras and then to uh, understand how to change the energy of that and draw energy into those areas is the beginning of you calling the kundalini. And eventually you will call the kundalini and that energy uh, will uh, put you in a place that even uh, Reiki cannot, <laughs> right? Because the Reiki charges your body with the energy, but it's not its just not giving you the kundalini. You have to learn how to draw that energy into yourself and what and how to transmute it as it goes up. And then when you get that perfection down, then you become. So if you watch, if you watch uh, the um, tool video of, um, what was it? Was it Numa? No, it's not Numa. Um, it's, uh, oh gosh, I can't think of the name of it. They're, they're, they show the entire, uh, um, uh, ascension of, of, uh, the human soul, uh, into up to an exploding, the Kundalini going to the third eye. And then, uh, you then you see all these millions of eyes come out of the head and expand out into the universe. And that's the graduation of the Kundalini into adulthood in you, or you ascend to adulthood and eventually to godhood. Uh, where we're supposed to be at. Okay, so uh, then you said, I, I, I believe I'm starting to live this now and realize my energy and how I can control myself, uh, uh, rest, you know, restraining and, and so on, not letting my energy go, holding on and using it for a higher purpose. Yes, so if you're at that point, then you, you're starting to understand Kundalini. Right, uh, you're starting to understand uh, that energy and learning how to draw that. So, so you're not too far away. And and uh, if you're already doing that and you're learning how to control yourself and that energy and to channel that for a higher purpose, you're not too far away from going poof and expanding. And when that happens, you're going to go, "Whoa! Did I just go crazy? I know, like, I yeah, I know everything. I am everything." <laughs> <laughs> right. And so once that happens to you and you think you've gone nuts uh, and everything goes like a crazy whirlwind uh, and it's really, really crazy, worse than any download you've had, then that's the Kundalini energy exploding your mind and your consciousness and expanding you. Uh, and you're starting to, to um, feel and sense the true scope of the universe itself and the universal mind. Numa. It was Numa, right? No, Numa's the... Um, Oh, Lord. I'm going to look it up. Hold on. I'm going to open up. Um, uh, I'm going to do it on my phone. I'm going to open up YouTube. And um, I just sent this video to somebody because it does have the uh, the ascension from the beginning uh, all the way to um, the explosion of the Kundalini uh, in your mind. And I, and I just said it to somebody last week and I sent it to uh, a couple of my buddies. So um, I'm going to look that up. It'll just take me a second here. I'm already on the tool here. Let me see which one it was. Was it lateralis? No. Not schism, not sober. Uh, parabola. So look up tool parabola. It's spelled P as in Peter, A-R-A-B as in boy, O-L as in Lima, A, parabola by tool. It's a 10-minute video, and it literally... Um, Whoops, sorry, I started it. And it literally takes you on the journey of creation and um, shows everything, including the Kundalini, Kui, including the Kundalini. At the end, the Kundalini uh, is eyes that are moving like fish. 
uh, and it comes in twos and it goes into both feet and then spirals up uh, all the chakra points and you see the chakra points um, enlarging and crystallizing. And then it comes out and goes into the head to the third eye and then above. And then it comes out and expands and explodes out into the consciousness of the universe at the very end of the song. So if you want to learn the journey of the human soul from creation to expansion of consciousness, um, watch the video because the video will give you those visuals. Uh, and it's a beautiful, I tell people, if, if, if you understand everything that happens in that video, uh, including the little id, uh, who is the human with a little uh, mechanical face, he looks like a robot, uh, to the human and he has the tentacles coming off of his head uh, that is comes up like antenna. Uh, and, and that was us and another guy's. And uh, that is the antenna that is uh, our energy. And he's learning what it means. And then he, you'll see the video and you'll understand it. Uh, and if you don't, it's still a great, great video to listen uh, to uh, the words uh, that Maynard is singing uh, because uh, most of their songs, one of the greatest bands ever invented was Tool because most of their songs deal with spiritualism and the ascension far more than people realize uh, on the surface of their songs and their videos um, were, you know, like, uh, uh, like Pink Floyd, Roger uh, uh, Waters was a, uh, a genius in that uh, the wall, the entire album, if you listen to it and then you watch the movie, the album was thought up as the movie. So when you hear the the songs and you don't see the visuals of the movie happening at the same time, you kind of get what's going on, but you don't. When you see the movie and the visuals that are there in the movie, they actually show you what was in the mind of him when he created this album. It's the same way with, with Maynard and his creations and his band. They did this stuff on purpose to do exactly that. So listen to that, uh, watch that video on YouTube uh, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Yeah. They're amazing. Julie says, right. Um, they're, they're, they're badass. I love that band. Okay. So I'm going to call it. We're now um, two and a half hours in at seven 30. I love you guys. Uh, share this out, share this out. Like I said, I'll be back on Friday uh, to, to do the uh, alien interview where I end up talking about this kind of stuff as well, <laughs> because that's what it's about. Right. And some people may not want to listen to me anymore because I don't do politics as much, but I still kind of get into that. But, you know, right now, uh, people are so tired of that. I'm not going to beat a dead horse until we come up to the election again. Right? So you might hear from me more next year when the midterms come, uh, definitely in, in 2024, <clears throat> right? I'll still talk about what's going on in the world, but I'm not going to harp as much as I did about that like I did during the election because we're all tired of that. We don't want to hear about this COVID bullshit anymore. It's all needs to go away. We need to fix everything and move forward, uh, and we need to focus on doing that uh, to heal uh, instead of focusing on the fear because that's where they want us. So that's why I've kind of moved away from that, but I will come on and talk about it a little bit here and there, but mostly I want to give you guys over and over again, the tools that you guys need to ascend because that's the purpose I am here. And that's why most of us are who have come here. We're here for the ascension, not for the politics, right? The politics involved in that. So I don't ignore it because that's, they're trying to steal your, your ascension through politics, right? So, okay. So I'll see you guys uh, uh, on Friday, right? Uh, I love you guys. Share this out and, and I'll see you guys on Friday and um, have a great next couple of days. Today's Wednesday. I'll see you in two. <laughs> All right. All right, guys. Yeah. Three and a half hours, right? <laughs> right. Four, five, six, seven, three and a half hours. You're absolutely right. And you can tell my voice is, uh, is, is fading, right? If you've listened to me, you know that. All right. I have to go rest my voice now. So, 
I'm not designed after lo almost losing my voice. I have this beautiful voice you guys like to hear, but it's it's a uh, uh, damaged vocal cords. And the more I talk, the worse it gets because I'm damaging my vocal cords now. So I'm going to go rest my voice and not speak for probably two hours. <laughs> I love you guys. And I'll see you next time. Okay.